Hi, I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics located in Southgate, Kentucky. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Hey guys, we've loved answering all of your questions so far. If you'd like to hear your question on the podcast, please send them to us on Instagram at Wheel Talk Podcast or by email to wheeltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Are we ready? I think so. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Isaac, smile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where are you recording on the Skype, so. Are you ready, Isaac? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, hi. Hi, everybody. Um, we have Isaac Shu on the podcast that nobody can see, but we can. <laughs> Unless you're on the Patreon, yeah. you can see it on there. Yeah, unless you're on the Patreon. I honestly don't know what's happening on there because that's Ryan's deal. Um, and uh, so, anyway, Isaac, hello. <laughs> welcome. welcome. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> First question, put you on the spot. Do you listen to the podcast on a regular basis? I've listened to every single episode. Have you really? Really? Should we do that to 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 uh, interviewees in the future? Does that <laughs> depend on how well we know them? You should. Of course, you should. <laughs> and then yeah, be like, "What is your favorite episode? What? What is your favorite? What is interview? your favorite episode? What? <laughs> what is your least favorite episode? <laughs> yeah. What was your least favorite episode, Isaac? Honestly, I think episode one was probably the hardest because I was so used to the the Potter's cast, and then it was just so like laid back, not <laughs> tuned like Paul Valencia's. I was like, what is going on? But now it's like, I kind of low-key have stopped other podcasts and kind of just listen to this one, so. <laughs> nice. That's I, think I feel like it's one that you, I hope people could just listen and like not feel like they know what's coming kind of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'll just throw it on when I'm throwing. And it's like, I know I have an hour and a half or two hours of something to listen to. Like, whenever i'm listening not every morning i used to every morning until i caught up with all the episodes but yeah so one thing yeah, i always I, wonder is if people that have been in the space and they kind of know their way around and know what they're doing like are they getting value out of listening or is it just more just like company kind of thing yeah. for me who cares company but <laughs> i mean yeah there's some things like some of the questions that people ask it's things i've definitely thought of before just never really cared to ask anybody so it's kind of cool in that way to see what other people think um, yeah. in the field but i just do more because i'm such a social person and now that i'm not at school for me it's just having somebody with me even though there's really nobody there <laughs> no we were gonna chat on the phone the other day and then i forgot yeah i was just... waiting i didn't even throw that day because i was just waiting the entire day for a phone call <laughs> Becca, you slacker. Uh, what can I say? What can I say? Oh, it's good. It's good. Okay, tell us about yourself in two minutes and your pottery journey. Two minutes. All right. Um, Isaac Shu. I live in uh, Harper, Kansas. It is a small town of like 
1,800 people, maybe, uh, about an hour south of Wichita. And I have been doing pottery since 2007. Uh, okay. I took a class in college. I went to Goshen College up in northern Indiana. And um, I took three years off when I went to South America to do. I went for a year of service work through my church. And I met a girl there. So one year turned into three years. And uh, then we both came back married, and we've been doing pottery full-time since. So that was in 2013 we came back. So about eight years of full-time, well, with other jobs, but, like, actually working on uh, the ceramic side of it. And now, wow. oh, so I was, a, I was a high school ceramics teacher the past three years, but I just quit in May um, to do full-time. So now this is... All that I do is every single day in the studio. Nice. We'll definitely chat about that because I was going to ask about that transition. So the the whole um, going to what country did you go to? I was in Bolivia. Bolivia. Okay. Most people think it's in Africa, but it's actually right between Argentina and Brazil. <laughs> Most people think Bolivia is in Africa. So many people when I came home were like, how was your time in Africa? And it's like, I actually well, thought Bolivia was in like Europe or something. It is in South America. South America. All right. <clears throat> hey, I'll admit it. I'm sure somebody else listening out there didn't realize that. Oh, I can guarantee you. I had a friend in college that was Bolivian, and he would get so pissed off when people would call him Mexican. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, there, he, would, he would be like, I'm Bolivian. <laughs> We're like, okay, oh. Remy. So our community is very full of Hispanics. It's primarily Mexicans, but there's a lot of Guatemalans. Yeah. So everybody everybody thinks Karina is like a Mexican. Yeah. And Your community, are you saying where you live now? Yeah, at right, our town. We have about 800 Hispanics. Didn't you say the whole town was 18, what is it? 18,000? 1,800. 1,800. Oh, 1,800. Yeah, so it's, there's, there's like. <laughs> the whole town? Is... <laughs> Dude, I could throw this little football across this entire town. <laughs> it's so small. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How big is that compared to Josh's town in Warren? I think, um, let me Google it. But you know that I've lived in a town that small in the last, like, six years, right? I didn't realize that Monroe was that small. Is Monroe no, that Monroe's small? Monroe's 20,000, but then Sultan, where my house was, is 4,000. And then Gold Bar, where I lived before, was about 1,200. Yeah. I guess it depends on, I don't, I don't know, do you, I think it's, are you, like, next to larger cities or is it like you're a small town in the middle and then you've got to go like 30 minutes to another city that's got like a bigger population that's the difference because yeah, Salton is uh, probably right next to something that is much bigger right like our closest walmart is 45 minutes away yeah that would be the same for us but um uh warren is 1240 people <laughs> oh, <wow>. so, so <laughs> yeah similar okay where so josh lives yeah, it's pretty tiny. Summer. It was it's a cool little town there. Yeah, I like Warren a lot. Um we should also mention that your wife is a total badass. I think we should start that off, obviously. She should she should probably be the one being interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the one with the college degree in ceramics, so my name's on it, but she is the boss. Mm-hmm. So so what was her uh, like what was she like skilled in and like what was her kind of 
interests so in different things she before has, she kind of found ceramics. Well, she has like her almost equivalent to a master's in child psychology in Bolivia. Um, but none of that would transfer up here. So when she came here, she just lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but she wanted to do art as a, as a college kid. She wanted to major in art. However, in Bolivia, you were very judged and very like, what's the word? Um, based on your title of how you like what you are, you're a doctor, you're an engineer. So like artist is like, um, you don't study art really mm-hmm. because then you're basically nobody. Um, so her family actually kind of forced her into doing something else. So she did psychology, which she yeah. loved. I mean, she's really good at it. Um, she worked in a daycare, which is where we met. And she worked in a, in a community clinic for AIDS and HIV, working with, with people and, and young children. And I mean, she kicked ass at what she was doing, but she's just as good at art. So I think she's just one of those people that's good at everything. Yeah. But yeah, probably. So, so it's so kind you, of fun for her now that she's here. I mean, she's full-time pots with me. She's down here maybe two hours less than I am daily just because she's doing the mom duty, wow. taking care of a, of a four-year-old. But. So did you all move back to Indiana and then... Ha- how did you get to Kansas? Um, so I was born in the same little town I'm in. Okay. And um, I went two years to Heston College. It's just north of here, about an hour and a half. And then from there, I went to Goshen College. And it's all based on um, the Mennonite faith, Mennonite church. So I grew up Mennonite. Um, so I went to the two primary colleges that are sponsored, I guess, whatever, by the Mennonite church. And um, then I just I just decided to do a year of mission work and move back to mom and dad's basement because we had no money once we got married. So I literally had a potter's wheel. I had a kiln and we each had a suitcase of clothes and we had a, a laptop. And that was all that we owned to our name. So <laughs> we moved back. We used mom and dad's cars. We used their garage for a for a studio. Um, I went back to college and got my teaching certificate. And uh she worked as a parent in the school, so we lived off of like a $7 an hour paycheck <laughs> and pots, pots in the evenings. So we'd do art shows about once a month and just do that. I didn't know you were a men- you grew up Mennonite. That's cool. Yeah. So my great-grandfather would be, he was the pastor of the church that is in our small town. Huh. So, yeah, it's kind of in the blood. Is Mennonite like... A Christian? Is it under that kind of umbrella, or I don't know yeah, that? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's under the like most people here, Mennonite think Amish. So it's like a lot of the same principles of Amishness. <laughs> but <laughs> we we drive cars. Um, so it's basically under the non-combatant um, peace churches. Okay. But yeah, very very Christian Christian denomination. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that was interesting. Somebody asked uh, a listener question about they've been curious about your religious imagery in your work. And if you could tell us about that, is that related to just your historical, you know, where you grew up and stuff like that? Why is that so funny, Becca? I don't know why Becca's laughing, but that was actually a question somebody asked. Tell him why. I why is it funny, Becca? <laughs> I, I want to hear Becca's explanation first. <laughs> no, you say why. 
I don't know what you're referencing. I wonder what I've told you in the past. But, but I've got a match now. Um, yeah, so basically, what's really funny is, like, being Mennonite is very different from Catholicism. Like, we kind of broke away from the Catholic Church. But through, like, a lot of my art history and that in, in college, I always kind of was in love with the the art of the Catholic Church and Rome and Vatican and those things. So actually the imagery that I use is very Catholic based. It's actually straight from the Catholic church. Um, but I'm not Catholic, but yeah, I mean, it represents a lot of my faith, but also, so like when I use Jesus in my pots, um, that represents more my grandfather. And when I use the Virgin Mary, that more represents my grandmother, whose name was Mary as well. But yeah, that's kind of what they, what the, the deeper meaning for me is my relationship with my grandparents. I grew up across the street from them. Um, and they were like my full-time babysitters. And my grandfather was a woodworker who he actually did art shows. And that's kind of how I think I got into the whole art show vibe was when I was little, I'd go to art shows with him and, and just kind of live that life. So, yeah, I think I got that from him. What did your parents do? Were they artsy at all? And did they do any kind of crafts or anything like that? No, not a bit. Uh, my parents are both teachers, school teachers. Dad was basketball coach, very much into the sports. Um, I was supposed to be very much into sports, but I played them all. I mean, I was decently good at all of them, but I didn't. I had a scholarship in college to play basketball. So when the coach, uh, when I went and told them I was going to drop my scholarship to focus on my art, it was kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> well, because you're so, what, six, six, four? Six eight. Six eight. Six foot eight. I was gonna say six seven, but I didn't know for sure. Yeah, right. No, I'm a very large mass. Very, very big person. And your wife's what? Five two? Yeah, that's probably <laughs> probably pushing it. Yeah, she's super short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's extremely tall, but she's actually really tall for Bolivian, so it could have been she could have been, could have a little been bit, worse. A little less tall. <laughs> um that's cool so you're kind of like following in your parents do your parents still live in harbor yeah they live about i don't know three quarters of a mile away from us and uh (laughs) literally could uh could see their house if there weren't trees but yeah it's all pretty close that's awesome small town living can't wait till Javi's old enough to bike over there, huh? Yeah, no kidding. There's right? actually a creek. There's a creek that passes behind our house, and you can literally walk the creek to my parents, and then you'd have to walk about two blocks when you get to theirs. It doesn't pass behind their house, but close enough. So he could walk down the creek now and get there. Nice. Pretty easily. Nice. So when you- there, there are cats bigger than him out there, so <laughs> yet. Right. So when you were um, deciding to to do teaching, was that like part of a way to transition to something that you were comfortable with doing because your parents were teachers and you kind of like followed that a little bit and also the art? Is that kind of yeah, like decided I, to go that route? Yeah, I think it was more, I mean, I went to school for art um, and then obviously you find out in college you're really not going to make a living right out of college just doing art. So you've got to do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I had the history with my parents of teaching and knowing what teaching was. Uh, so I just kind of went that route just because I didn't know what I was doing in college. 
um, and it was the easy answer. So I did it. I can't say I loved it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, there's definitely benefits of doing it. I've got a lot of good connections with students and um, other teachers, but it's just, it's not one of those jobs I woke up and I was excited to go to every day. And what you level were you teaching? Too, right? um, I was high school. High school. More, okay. more advanced because I was the ceramics teacher. There was five art teachers um, and I was basically just ceramics. I had a couple art one, which was freshman. Um, but other than that, it was pretty, pretty much just sophomore through senior. And yeah, I had to drive one hour every morning, one hour every night. So two hours every day. Um, got pretty long. So yeah, living in, a, living in a town of 1,200 or 1,800 people, we have a high school that we share with another town, and there's one art teacher, and he teaches art, so it's everything. Yeah, that's why I was wondering how you had five art teachers. I was like, this town is tiny. You have five art yeah, teachers. Right. Yeah, no, there's no chance. But I mean, the, the art teacher where I live, he's been there like 20 years, and he'll probably be there 20 more years. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I had one option, and that was driving or moving. So we wanted to move. We actually <laughs> did move in September, <laughs> but um, we we moved one mile out of town. So <laughs> didn't, you're didn't just saved you about five minutes, maybe <laughs> less maybe. than that. <laughs> one step closer, just a bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, over time, that one extra mile saved a lot of gas. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh, that's crazy. How was your transition like from because I remember when you decided and then when you you made it public and then now between between deciding and now, how do you feel about doing like full time? Because it were you scared at the beginning? Were, were you like nervous or? Yeah, I haven't. Like, I honestly haven't felt the the whole scared part of it yet. More more excited. We've also just been so busy. I don't even have time to really feel one or the other because I'm just focusing on getting ready for a show. Um, with COVID kind of lifting and restrictions getting better with art shows coming back, all of, like, my early year, the first six months, have all rescheduled for the last six months. So it's, like, just every weekend's getting slammed. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, I feel that, like, I honestly have just social media. I've tried to do stories, and it's just, like, I'm not even focusing on that because I've got to get ready for shows. It's hard to take the thing. What are you going to post? Something new, something fresh. Like, my my wall mugs and those, I haven't even, I haven't done in over a month just because I don't have time. Um, so, as going back to the question, like, we're we're at a point right now, if it was, if I was transitioning in February when it was a dead part of the year, it would be really scary. Um, but right now it's like, if I was in school, I would be more stressed out because I wouldn't know how to get all my stuff done for shows. Yeah. Um, so right now it's been pretty cool. The whole transition, like, I mean, I resigned in April um, and it was more that whole excited, like, I'm finally going to do this. Um but then with the school schedule, I just got my last paycheck from my school last week. So I've still been getting paid um, a normal salary. So I haven't really had yeah. to feel like, what What do we do for money? Like, okay, now, like, what bank account am I going to pay this out of? Because I'm still using school funds. That sounds weird. What the school pays <laughs> me. 
<laughs> right. So, so did did your teaching shift last year? Were you completely working from home and doing teaching remotely, or were you actually going in to do like remote? classes and stuff right so we started hybrid and um, I was teaching one group of students on Mondays and Thursdays the other group on Tuesdays and Fridays and on Wednesday was everybody was remote but I still had to be at school um, and that lasted through November about a week before Thanksgiving we went full online um, and that lasted through Christmas break we went back into hybrid January like 5th um, and we were there for the third nine weeks and then the fourth nine weeks was 100% of the population. So it was, I think we literally had five or six curriculum changes because each time we had to rewrite everything um, and it just got to be such a headache, especially with ceramics, like teaching online ceramics one is awful. Hybrid is worse because kids are trying to bring projects back and forth. They break in their backpacks. Like you would <laughs> honestly think a kid has a really fragile sculpture. They just throw it in their backpack like it's going to survive. <laughs> Becca's it's got a little uh, experience with the student mm. with the backpack. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. See, on that, the, what, the 100th episode or 200th. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny because you talk to every ceramics teacher in a, in, a, in a school or in a studio setting. They all have that story like. Like, what are you thinking? Just <laughs> can I still get a grade on this, Mr. Shoot? I'm like, it's a pile of kitty litter. Like, how do you, what, what do I grade? So, uh, oh, like, I don't know if you're just so... a bad teacher or if you're just a bad student. <laughs> uh, kids just have the weirdest minds. Oh, it's true. And their parents do too because they defend it. Oh, yeah. That was the worst so, part of teaching. So with all those curriculum period. changes and just shifting what you have to do, and you were already kind of like, teaching's cool, like, you know, it's all right. Uh, did, did that give you more confidence of like, you know what, I want to give this a true go and actually do oh, the yeah. ceramics? Oh, for sure. Um, like, kind of looking into the future, I mean, I was sure they would be back this year full time, which they are, the school I'm at. I've heard they're actually getting ready to consider fully masking up. I don't think they'll ever go hybrid or online again, but even just the fight with masks with students, mm. like it was, it's enough of a headache that honestly, I didn't want to go that route again. And it's, yeah, it was, it, it had a lot to do with my decision of quitting. Um, but it also just came at a really good time where, we didn't, it wasn't a hard decision, like economically to have to make like, okay, we're going to have to change our eating style to rice and beans now, because that's all we can afford. Like we were in a place where, um, we knew we could do it and COVID was just like the extra bonus. Like, <laughs> yeah, just do it. Yeah. At least you save on a lot of gas. That's a, Oh no. That's, an, it's, that's a straightforward, uh, expense savings there. Yeah. Like, I have a hybrid car, and I still spent so much money in gas. Jeez. Do you drive a Prius? No, I drive a Ford. I don't think he could fit in a Prius. <laughs> yeah. I actually tried to get one, but we got a, a Fusion hybrid. It's actually electric. You can plug it in. So I get 17 miles every charge. So living in Harper, I drive for free. Oh, that's nice. I filled up with gas one time since July. <clears throat> 
like July fourth weekend. That's awesome. Yeah, so that's wow. a ton of money. But we're looking at getting a pickup, so that will just drink the gas, especially pulling a trailer to shows. It's like eight mile a gallon. Mhm. Yes, it is. Yeah, you were mentioning shows. Have had you been doing art shows for a while? Yeah, we've always done art shows. Um, and where do you have to travel for ones. those? Not huge ones, just kind of the Wichita area. Like, we haven't done... So we're doing one September 4th, Labor Day weekend, up in Salina, Kansas. It's called Smoky Hills River Festival. It's like Zapplication, everybody. There's 300 300 people or vendors from all over the country. It's like the first big one that we've ever really done. We've just done a lot of, like, small... Like, we did our county fair last week. It was a three-day show. And we've done a lot of those kind of deals, which is... I never would have thought a county fair would sell much pots, but it's our it's our highest grossing outside of like Christmas. Wow. Are you yeah, willing to have, tell us are you willing to tell us that number? You don't have to. Um we did five thousand. Hell yeah. How much does it cost for like a county fair sort of thing? Is that like five hundred bucks? Forty bucks. Forty bucks for three days? <laughs> Whoa. Oh yeah. Dude, it's okay. like tep- Tupperware lady and. Uh, oh, okay. I yeah. never it's, thought it'd be more than that. It's county fair, like there's, oh. yeah, it's it's nothing. Like there's some huge county fairs. Ours is definitely like just a. Was it indoor or outdoor? It's in a barn. Okay. So, so you were shielded. You didn't have to deal with the elements, really. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. That, that makes it elements. nicer. The elements in in Kansas are 100 degree sun, so I was in shade, but I was in a building in 100 degree weather, so it like drained you pretty hardcore. Yeah. But yeah, so we've done a lot of shows like that. So, but I mean, in Kansas, there's just not a lot of big art shows. There's one in Wichita. There's one in Kansas City. Other than that, I mean, I'm traveling to Denver. Or, um, Oklahoma City has some. Tulsa. Yeah. What's so, yeah. what's your because I get like what's a comfortable radius for you like four hours or something like that? Um, when I was teaching, yeah, because I mean it was basically just a Saturday Sunday show. Um, but now like we have plans to go all over. Like if I can find a show in Florida, we'll go to a show in Florida. He wanted to so, do your backyard craft show. He did. Oh, I gave Becca crap. I told her I was like, I'm gonna show up at Ryan's. Think he'll let me in with a trailer if I just show up. <laughs> so you'll set up in the front yard. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't know. We, uh, I mean, our plans are with COVID, it's hard with it coming back, like what to do. But yeah, eventually we'll just, we'll travel and go anywhere and ride it off for a vacation for travel expenses. So. Yeah. You only got one kid, just shove him in the back. That's what we do. We took him to DC <laughs> this summer. We traveled the whole way around and he's cool. He loves traveling. He loves a car. Yeah. So it works pretty good. That's great. Yeah, I loved riding on road trips when I was a kid. And uh, as long as I got like some movies or something, or I would had this oh, like yeah. console TV and I would like hook up my PlayStation to it or whatever and like play games on this little like seven inch TV. For sure. Becca's right. like, what better. is this? <laughs> like TV in the car. When it we was were like, like in old school bucket seats, and we had this console <laughs> thing that would fit in between the seats, and it had a VCR in the center of it. 
That's crazy. That's and then like, it had a TV on it. That's like high class. It wasn't built in. It was like we bought it separate. My parents yeah, yeah, bought yeah, it separate, yeah, yeah. and then you like install it. Oh was it the God. old school like full size family vans? It was a Ford Windstar. <gasps> oh wow. We had yeah, a nice. we had an Astro. An Astro. I think. Yeah. yeah I think I we might have had one of those back in the day. Um, Jesse Woodworth. Riverwood Pottery. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you know him. I don't know if Ryan knows him. I have one of his cups. He, he just bought a Ford Astro or whatever is a Ford. Chevy Anyways, Astro. Chevy, yeah, he just bought one of those big Astros. It's awesome. Dude, they're the best. I had one, and I used it for shows. One of my friend's boyfriends um, had it, and it died on him, and he just gave it to me. He just like gave, he was like, just no tow way. it. He was like, just tow it, and so I towed it and fixed it for like $1,200 and got an Astro in it, and it was my... uh, is that the one that you built out and everything that you got no. rid of before you left? Oh, it was, that was before that. Yeah, it was before that, and um, it was like my, you know, my show mobile for like two years, three years. It was great, and then I gave it to somebody, and it fucking died. I I gave it to <laughs> just you, like, at the you know? right point. Yeah, I like um, gave it to one of the other artists, and it just died. Like something happened with the oil or something, and it was just bye. Um, so they Ryan, had to scrap it. What do you use, Ryan, when you go to a show? Do you have a truck? No, I have a Nissan Rogue. I'm actually in the market. Becca and I and Rachel were talking All about right. this on our trip. We were trying to figure out what my next vehicle should be. Um, so those like uh, Mercedes, like minivans, that are like tanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh I yes. want to buy one of those. <laughs> And there's one for sale on the corner of some little strip mall up in Wichita. It's like twenty three thousand bucks for a used one, like hundred thousand miles. I'm like, what? But I oh, think it's a Mercedes. It'll go forever. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Sure. Yeah, I was doing online searches for Ford Transits or the Ford Transit Connect ones, the smaller versions. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, some of these used ones, they're not really that much. Like, no, because they got nothing in them. They're, you know, like I think just the people bare bones. Yeah, people don't realize that work trucks, work vans, aren't actually all that expensive. I mean, they're fairly reasonable. Because you're not paying for all the extra seating and the nice, yeah. like, air conditioning throughout the whole thing and the yeah. plugs and the outlets and all that fancy stuff. Yeah, I'm um, a new friend that I started following that I bought some of her earrings. Um, she just had a, a Instagram story and... They have, it's like a Dodge van, an old school 70s Dodge van with the insides like mint condition. There's like carpet on the ceiling <laughs> and like, <laughs> like <coughs> um, floral couches and it has a fucking fridge in it and it's oh like mint God. condition. And he, she was like, yeah, I got it for four grand or so. I don't know how much he got it for, but. She's like, yeah, he'll probably resell it. And I'm like, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. <laughs> You're like, I like, want it. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> I want it. I don't need it. Oh. All right. Speaking of building stuff, um, <laughs> you just built a studio. Um, when were you? Uh, I was curious, like, how, how long were you thinking about that? And then, like, how long did it actually, like, take you all to do that? Wait, like, uh, you mean the gallery? The studio, studio gallery. Yeah, I guess it's a gallery. I thought there was yeah. a studio attached to it, but it's just a well, gallery. Right, so we didn't really build it. It was uh, so when we bought this house, we bought it in September, and it had a detached garage out 
I don't know, 20 feet away. Um, and it's where the guy who used to clean his fish, he was a fisherman. So he'd clean his fish, he'd keep his mower in there. And it was just this gross little 28 by 20 shack. And um, so when we bought that, the full basement of the house uh, was like a perfect studio. So we decided we could make our work there. And our biggest problem in our old house was people would always want to come over and, and buy pots. But see, so you'd like pull out boxes, dust the spiders off them out on the table and it just looked horrible so we wanted a place that we could like permanently display them that way when people would knock on the door like one they don't have to walk through your house and um two i didn't have to worry about cleaning everything up and making it look nice um so we thought hey let's just take that little shop out there uh, we'll clean it up fix it up and um and make that like a place and then slowly, I mean, so we live in a town like 1800. There's a small town next to us with about 2400. Um, that's what we share the high school with. And between those two towns, there's like, I don't know, five or six like super good artists who do different crafts and do different shows. Um, and there's not a really good place to show them at. Some Wichita galleries like pick us up and take their stuff there. Um, but it's also expensive. They do the 40, 50%. Um, and you got to ship it or deliver it. And... Yeah, you got to deliver and everything. And it's just, it's gets to be a hassle. Um, so when we did this, I mean, we didn't have any real intention other than a place to show our own stuff. Um, but slowly, it's just turned into this, like, hey, we're going to put some of my buddy makes charcuterie boards and spoons. So we have his stuff in there. Um, another buddy of mine I went to school with, he does printmaking. And he, he travels all over doing shows. So we have his prints in there. Um a distant cousin of mine makes handmade goat milk, um, soap, and lotion, and everything. So we have her goat products in there. Um, my uncle out in Ohio, he carves spoons like with a pocket knife. So we've got a lot of his spoons in there. And it's just slowly turned into this like community gallery space, um, a place to house their stuff so they don't have to have people knocking on their doors. Um, and I just charge 25% and let them have it there, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, we don't make much money off of that at all. Like my, my point is not to make money off of my friends, um, but it helps like I'll get the random knocks on the door, whatever that they would have got. Um, so I'll get $3 if we sell one of their spoons or something. Yeah. So it's been pretty cool. Uh, so we didn't build it. We just uh, remodeled it. It was actually knocked out by a tornado 15 years ago so it's kind of a fresh building it was just nice it was just a different building so it's decently new um and actually the gallery has a full basement in it which is we use for our mower and storage wow. and things like that so, did the audio cut out he just froze for me Maybe he'll come back. Come back. <laughs> Isaac. Apparently I'm gone. I can hear them. There we go. Oh, there you are. Okay. You're back. Continue. That was weird. What did you hear? We I left with the the, the basement has a full, or the garage, uh, the, the studio. Shit, yeah, I'm right. all I'm all fucked up here. The gallery <laughs> right. has a full basement. Is that common to have a full basement? Or is that because no, it's like uh, a shelter for the tornadoes? No, it's not even that. It was just built in the side of a hill. So it's really weird. Like, um, 
out the back of the gallery. It's just a straight drop off, like 20 foot down this hill. So then that hill was a basement. I don't, it's, it's super weird. I never expected it. And when it said in the listing for the house that the, the garage has a full basement, I was like, no, the house has a full basement. It's a misprint. <laughs> nope. It definitely has a full basement. So not finished <laughs> by any means. But it's, but nice. it's just storage. I mean, that's great. Otherwise, oh, you'd have awesome. to have a shed or some other detached right, exactly. building exactly. for all your lawn and home stuff. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so did that answer that question? I don't even remember. Yeah, that's pretty. Question. That's a pretty great looking space because, I mean, I saw you had the grand opening recently. And, I mean, it's nice to just have a, a place that people can come that right. when you do your holiday shows, I'm sure – you would have had to do something. I mean, you don't want to do that outside and then you don't yeah, want exactly. people to come to your studio. Plus you probably don't have like a good entrance into the studio for right, people coming right. to visit. So it's like, it's nice to use that extra space. For yeah, something for sure. Fun. Like in our old house. So for, our, we do a holiday show every year in December. We do like the first or the last two weekends before Christmas. So, but we would start cleaning up in November. So like we would close all production down just to, wash this whole place out get all the dust all the clay everything out and then we would decorate it like a gallery and it worked out it was awesome but i mean we were losing a month of making during the busiest month of the year yeah because we had a clean and then between the two weekends that we showed we couldn't be making more because the, the studio was gone it was now turned into a, a little gallery ish um so that's kind of something i'm looking forward to this year is We'll have our Christmas thing start up in the middle of December, and we'll just keep making pots as long as we're selling pots. So how much did the uh, building decisions and the design and all that kind of thing, did did you and your wife balance that out, or did she have a lot of input in that? Or who's kind of the design one in the um, from she you did all? The most, she did the majority, I think, of the interior design on it. Um it wasn't hard for like walls. We decided we want, wanted clean. We wanted white. Um, so there was no color decision. She wanted yellow highlights. We have everything is white pine. And like the floor is OSB. Um, but we also found a lady in, in London who had done OSB flooring and had some kind of sealer that we found. Super expensive sealer. But it's awesome because now our OSB floor is like totally sealed. Um, and it was cheap compared to tile or wood or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we work well as a team. She does a lot of that decision. I'll do the the building part. Uh, my dad also, he was a carpenter, so he came in and helped do like the drywall. Um, my buddy came in and helped with the electric and we just did it all by ourselves. Um, it took us about two months, but we got it in September. So in the middle of making for our Christmas show, we were, last year we were, remodeling at the same time and doing school so it was just ridiculous like we did not sleep for like two months i bet yeah that's you got all that done and that's been almost a year since now so yeah that's crazy so yeah, it's been right. actually operational since the holidays last year or post holidays um, so we had it we had our christmas open house in there last year okay um and then what did we do between then? I mean, we just left our pots in there, but we didn't really have open hours. People would still stop by and they'd email and say, when can we swing in? Um, so we finally gave ourselves a date for May 1st to be open. And that's when we did our grand opening show. We invited 
uh, the people that we have their stuff in the gallery, we have them out on the front lawn with tents, kind of like farmer's market style. And um, didn't know what would happen, but we just put it all over social media. I bet we had 300, 400 people show up. Um, it was it was a great Jeez. day. It was, it was awesome. Nice. And it yeah, was I, would, so, I would guess parking's not an issue out there. You There's plenty of space, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, we have five acres of parking, which is kind of cool. Give you an option for people to do on a weekend that there's a smaller town. There's probably It's probably worth a, an hour drive or however yeah, long right. to just find right. something fun to go do. It's, we'll get a lot of Wichita people down. It's just something new for them. They don't get in the city. Um, they love the fact it's out in the country and they have a drive where it's just like wheat fields for an hour. Um, so, yeah, it's been pretty cool. So we wanted to open May 1st full time and actually have um, Ryan just went away. I don't know where he went. Can you hear him still? Hopefully you can hear me. Yeah, all right, he's still there. But anyway, so uh, oh, there he is. So anyways, May 1st, we were going to have full-time hours, but like that show was so good that we didn't have inventory. So we couldn't really open up with an empty shop. So now we've been working on getting that back to normal. So we just opened up um, last week for the first time full-time. So Wednesday through Saturday, we now have hours. Um, and it's been awesome. Like people just stop and it's like, it's like a store. It's just kind of, it's fun and exciting and weird. Like you have to balance that with working but yeah i saw one of your posts where you had you had like a camera or something and then people it like notifies you or something when they open the door right so i get a notification just... when they drive in because the camera sees them and it's that ring doorbell so they'll ring it and then they just... it's unlocked like we never lock our gallery it's unlocked 24 7 you um, just said that do you want us to keep that on the do you want to edit that out? <laughs> no. He's gonna. They're gonna get a notification when they drive yeah. up. So I can see their face now. Who's coming in the Robit? But it's like no, people who steal things don't usually think of, of pottery that they want to steal. So we're not too worried about it. We take our cash bag in at night. <laughs> and if you want Isaac out there to approach you, a six foot eight man <laughs> yes. in the dark of night while you're trying to steal pottery. I... Yeah, that's right. I always used to say when I lived in Solden, because I never locked my doors, I used to say locks are for honest people. I mean, my, like, so we have a big glass door. It's like, if they're really going to steal pots, I'd rather than not break a $500 pane of glass to steal pots. So true. Like, just steal the pots. Right. Just fucking steal the pots. Yeah, I'm like, please don't break the fucking window. I don't, (laughs) I don't need that. So, so far it's been good. I don't think we've lost anything, but. You probably shouldn't tell any of your Mennonite friends that I, uh, that you're on a podcast and they're going to hear. They'll get over it. They'll get over it. Wow. So do you and your wife actually mix up like who makes what? Does she make certain forms and you make certain forms or is it just different types of like hand building versus wheel throwing and. Yeah, pretty much. So I do all the wheel throwing and she does pretty much all the um, hand building. Um, So right now we are working towards our pumpkin patch. We do that every year. And um, I'm making 400 wheel thrown pumpkins and she's making 1200 little mini pumpkins. Oh, cool. So are those just little pinch uh, pots or are they in a. No, they're just little. little, They're just little like you could kill somebody if you threw it at them. It's just a solid (laughs) little pumpkin. Oh, it's solid. Okay. I saw the hole in the bottom, so it's got some little 
Yeah, so she'll put two little holes in, and that helps get the uh, the air flowing through it. It takes about a week to dry. We've never had one explode in the kiln. Um, so, yeah, she's got about 750 of those made. She makes oh 60 gosh. a day. Today she made 120 of them. She's a fucking I couldn't badass. Ima- I couldn't imagine <laughs> seeing that number. Like, all right, your project is a thousand of these. Go yeah, for right. it. You got a few weeks. Or you got two months or whatever. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's been crazy around here. I'm ready for pumpkins to be done. Like, um, <clears throat> I try not to post too many pumpkins, like, on my social media. Just because I get comments from Becca. It's like, oh, it's pumpkin season. I'm going to see them every day. <laughs> Fucking pumpkins. I oh, gave him kidding. so much shit at the beginning of pumpkin season, which is, like, in the middle of August. But I mean, yeah, like, so literally you can only post so much pumpkin stuff before people get annoyed with it. And that's all we've been doing. So it's like, what do I post on social media? Like, have you done a demo video of how you throw a pumpkin? Like, I'll do that soon. So we're going to announce, I think tomorrow we're going to put on our official, like, announcement of the day of the pumpkin patch and everything. We usually do a giveaway with that for um, gift certificates for that day. And we do that on Facebook, not on Instagram. Because Facebook's um, local. Facebook's so local. It's so weird. Like, pumpkins Not on weird. Instagram. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys <laughs> understand it. On Instagram, I'll sell <clears throat> maybe 20 pumpkins. And on Facebook, I'll sell over 300. It's just it's just weird. I have an idea. I have an idea. So, um, I think that you should, because you have so many friends, like, you're, like, the silent, famous person of the pottery world. Um, And you know so many famous people that you should send out, okay, 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 okay. You should send out bisque pumpkins to all your famous friends, right? Oh, that's a sweet idea. Okay, well, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So send out bisque pumpkins to all your famous friends and have them paint it or whatever, and then have them hide it in town, in the town that they live in. I just love the fact you call them famous friends. <laughs> <laughs> They're just people, Becca. No, he's got, he, like, I swear to God, it's you and fucking Andrew Linderman know every single person in the fucking pottery world. And... <laughs> And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Like, you just know everybody. I don't know Seth Rogen. He follows you. Doesn't mean I know him. (laughs) 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 No, that's, that's actually a really cool idea, like. It would be cool to do a show of just pumpkins the other like so like me and Tony Young are pretty close. And um I've talked about throwing a few pumpkins his way to have him do his stuff on. Yeah. Um But yeah, I mean so that's like the artsy stuff on Instagram is gonna go, but like just taking a pumpkin dipping it in orange glaze on Instagram's too basic. Or like my my following is not looking for that. Yeah. So it's I mean there's that following on there. It's just somebody who is usually going to be like a, um, like for example, the, I, the price point is what's attractive to them versus well, the, I think it's more just what, I don't know. Like, so my average pumpkin's $50, but okay. it's also like the size of a large cantaloupe. 
Okay. Um, and I will do, I have them from $15 to 150 okay. And the $150 pumpkin is like a large watermelon with a gold stem. Like it okay. should be probably $500 anywhere else. Like if it was like in New York City. But where I'm at. Okay, so my dad's first cousin is a potter. He's been a potter his whole life. He digs his clay from the earth, like, and he lives in the backwoods of Kansas. Like, his town has, like, 30 people. Yeah. And he told, when I started doing this, he told me, he's like, you live in South Central Kansas. Never make pots that your hometown people cannot afford. Because if you put yourself in a place that it's saying you're better than they are, always make sure that you have an inventory that your people can afford. And, I mean, that stuck with me. It's like. Even though these pumpkins are big, I'm not going to outprice them where my own people cannot come and buy them. Now, the thing that sucks for them, for people who aren't here, to ship one of those pumpkins, the shipping's as much as the pumpkin is. Yeah. So your so your $50 pumpkin is now turning into a $75 pumpkin that most people don't want to pay for because it's one pumpkin. But yeah. I don't know. There's definitely that. There's definitely the people on Instagram who would be in that market. Um, it's just not where I'm at the other 11 months of the year. Yeah. I think that you bring up a good point about, I think that I personally feel like this is, that is the biggest like argument point of a lot of potters. Like your stuff is too cheap. And everybody that lives in a small town is like, yeah, but my neighbor can't buy it. Right. You know, exactly. and I don't I don't know if if you don't live in a small town, you don't get it, you know, yeah, because I can't like, relate to that sure. as much. But I, that sounds just like what I've heard from Becca with yeah, her pricing like, scheme when she was. Yeah, in, you just like don't get like it doesn't make any sense because it's like <laughs> my neighbor, Jimmy, like buys PBR and he like. You know, he drives an old Chevy truck that he has to warm up for 45 minutes in the morning. He's not going <laughs> to he's not going to yeah. buy a fifty dollar mug. He's going to buy a twenty five dollar mug, you know, yeah, exactly. And and, he, and that's going to be a fucking stretch too. that twenty five dollars is oh, going to be for sure. It's going to be a stretch. And so and I think that that and, and when your business is so based in your community, like a lot of people are like, oh, I can just sell online. But you clearly have two completely separate clientels, you know? Oh, very much so. Yeah. And I think that you especially have done a really good job with that. I don't know if people realize that you, like, the people on Instagram don't even realize that you do basic bitch mugs. Yeah, for you know? sure. And, like, I'll throw one on and I'll get 85 likes. Yeah. But I'll, I'll throw that exact same picture on my Facebook and get 250. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, if, if I put a wall mug on Instagram, I'll get 250 and I'll put a wall mug on Facebook and it's crickets. Like, I mean, 10 likes like people, local people just don't like that stuff. Some do. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I sell yeah. a wall mug every now and then here when we go to a farmer's market. But it's putting the two separate clientele. It's it's very, very, it's very different. Obvious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do you get a different kind of balance of like satisfaction selling to somebody in person if it's like a basic bitch mug versus like selling a a wall mug to somebody online like what oh yeah it's to me it's all the same like for me especially now it's 
it's putting money, it's in the bank, it's putting food in front of my kid. Um, so for me, like I'm gonna I'm gonna go where the money is for me at this point, and that's like should I should I be doing a load of wall mugs right now so I can keep my injury? I probably should. At the same time, this pumpkin patch gives us the money that we need for September. Um, in October, I'll focus on my wall mugs and stuff. And then November and December will be Christmas. My basic line, like our tableware, um, just because that's going to be who's coming to look for stuff from Christmas. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as, as for me, like making, uh, making a wall mug is what I need artistically to be creative. Um, but like my, my priority, my main love of ceramics is throwing on the wheel. So it's, I'll wake up and make 32 mugs like it's a good day. Um, or if it's a day where I've got to sit down with 12 wall mugs and paint on them for 12 hours, it's life-giving because I'm being creative. But at the same time, it's like, man, I'd rather just be over at that wheel throwing. I hear you. We both hear you. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to just make the carved scraffito mugs and those are simple compared to what you're making like i just got to have underglaze and carve it like that's nothing compared to the decoration that you're doing on yours and all the decals and the different techniques that you're doing it's like right <clears throat> yeah but it's the fast pace like i love production like it's just extremely satisfying to me to be able to get the Get the muscle memory of just doing a mug, taking it off, doing a mug, taking it out. Like that for me is more fun and practice than it is to find a new style that people are going to love all over the internet. Like it's more life giving. Mm hmm. Totally. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you were doing some, I don't know if they were wholesale orders for different places, whether were you doing some for like coffee shops with some decals and. I yeah, saw you had so some we, Kansas ones maybe with like a icon and it's like just the glaze and it's like right. waxed. So we have another line that I don't do too much. We call our advertisement line. So a lot of companies will buy like a load of 40 mugs with their decal on their logo. Um, so my good friend who I grew up with since I mean I was super little, uh, he just opened a donut shop in town. And they ordered 40 mugs with their logo on. So now anybody who goes in to drink coffee, like that's what they actually use to serve their coffee. Um, so, yeah. And then a bakery in a town close by saw that. And so they ordered mugs. Now a bakery in Kansas City saw their post and they've ordered mugs. Um, so, like, we use a lot of white glaze because we'll make a basic mug, dip it in white, throw a decal on and put it out the door. Um, I should have. So I should have charged you for that. <laughs> for that white glaze? Yeah, you should have. I mix about a five-gallon bucket a week. Jeez. It's crazy. So do you – one thing I was curious about, how are you uh, – well, one question. When you're selling those to like a, co uh, a donut shop that is using them, are they buying it at – they're not buying it at a wholesale price necessarily. Is it like no, a discounted uh, bulk price or how does that work? I'm – I'm really bad about that. Like it's my it's my buddy. I was like, I'll just give it to you for cheap. So I mean, I gave him a discount, and then like the exact same week, a, a, a bakery in Kansas City asked me what the price is, and so I marked it up because it's like, well, you're in Kansas City. Like I gave him the original price. <laughs> I didn't offer him my 
So it's a retail price of the mug with a decal. It's not just like a discounted, like regular mug price. It's just if you had to put the decal on it and everything, it's like a $35 mug, for instance. Yeah. So I get my basic mug is $20. Just my mug dipped in glaze and get out the door is 20 bucks. If I throw a decal on it, it's 25. And then some people want like, um, for example, the donut on the front and then their logo on the back. So every extra decal I add is $3. So then that would be $28 mug. Um, if it's a large order, like for the donut shop, I give them 20% off. So basically their $25 mug turned into $20 mug, which is just my basic mug fee. So I did the decal for them for free. Um, so yeah. yeah, that's my price. That's my Cause price I, point. Because I, I, I kind of feel a little iffy when I'm like, like I would like to reach out to more coffee shops and stuff, but I feel like it's such a high price tag when they've got to buy so many that I'm like, I oh, kind yeah. of feel bad charging them retail for something that they're not going to resell. Right. Because right. I'm like, oh, like it's a big hit for them to spend 400 bucks on mugs or whatever. It's like, yeah, oh. but I mean, they need they need write offs as well. I mean, it's getting written off at the end of the that's, year. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah. So also, it's, it's definitely supply for them. Also, nobody, nobody message message us and tell us that he's selling his mugs for too cheap. Please. I beg of you. Message me and I'll give yeah. you a story about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and also, you, especially the first one that your buddy that you gave a, a screaming deal to, like he paid for it tenfold because the bakery down the street saw it, then the place in kansas oh, city sure. slot like you know it's such a, a like, snowball yeah. domino effect and then you can yeah, charge exactly. the right price to those people and you don't feel bad about it right yeah right and then i mean there's other instances like so if a church like contacts me i just give them a 20 percent discount because i'm like i mean you're doing something good like i mean I'll help you out, whatever <laughs> i mean hopefully you're doing something good but so yeah it's just a lot of it depends on who the client is like i had the the masons reached out and they wanted like a hundred mugs they're like do you do a discount for bulk order and i'm like "Eh." (laughs) (laughs) i mean you're the masons (laughs) yeah i will so i it's just the, the worst part about this whole gig of doing it that way is you forget what price you told that person <laughs> like if you're gonna do that do you have a paper trail down <laughs> no i've gotta write my prices down because it's awful yeah you gotta just get a note and be like the freemasons <laughs> <laughs> this amount yeah so, i used to do yeah. that all the time like i would tell somebody a price and then i'd completely forget it and then i i've you know be with a uh like Um, sorry, be with a uh, like a client or whatever, and mess and be like, uh, what price did I give you that for? All the <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started getting some orders for like shot glasses, and you know, some of them are, hey, I just want ten. You know, how do I get these? And I'll just charge them full price, and you know, no bulk discount. But if they ask and they're like, I want thirty. Is there any discount for getting 30? So I'll like knock a dollar off each or something. So it's like in the end game, it's like, you know, it's $30 less or $20 less or whatever. So it's like, it's whatever, you know, depending on the person, I can adjust it if they're asking for it. If they're willing to ask for it, then I mean, I'm, I'm willing to 
you know, if I could sell them at a show and give them a discount, why can't I sell it to somebody that's going to buy a bunch of them, you know? Yeah, exactly. I've actually asked a whole lot of different potters their take on, like, discounts and stuff for bulk. And the primary one is, well, if they ask, I'll give them 10%. But everybody says you should actually charge more for bulk orders because they want them to look identical. And making handmade things look identical takes more time. And they just need to understand that. But, I mean, obviously you can't do that. I mean, it's not going to fly very well. It's yeah, so hard but. to explain it, too. It's like, no, it's not easier to make 100. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a time for me to do actually more i got it for the breakage or mess ups and yeah uh, yeah they just don't get it i mean walmart and all those places have kind of ruined the whole bulk buying for handmade just because they think everything's made in a mold and it'll be done within two days like they want amazon prime shipping on orders now yeah yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. I'm like trying to I was trying to think of like some analogy to like tell people that would make sense of why it's harder. And like why you're not giving them a discount. And the only thing I could think of is like, yeah, let me just run. It's like is 100 like if you ran 100 miles, is that easier than running one? But you actually yeah. have to run 150 to be prepared to run 100 or something. Yeah. Or, or you, right. you know, you have to have a lot of experience doing what you do and then make more than you actually need so that you can give them quality. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe I want 100 catfish, but they have to be caught on one fishing pole, not a net. Do I get a discount because I'm getting 100 of them? I want 100 catfish, and they have to be the exact same size. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Can I get a discount for that? Yep. You can. <laughs> oh, God. Talk to us about your decals. Talk to us about the printer and all that shit. Um, so... What was it? I used to, I would get like back when I was first starting, people would be like, Hey, can you make a mug with my kid's name on it? Okay. So I would carve it in, kind of scraffito it, whatever. Um, this, the, my dad's cousin I talked about earlier who told me the advice of keeping your price for your local people. He does that same style, but he buys the rubber stamps, like for ink pads, but he buys them without the backing. And then he'll take those and he'll hand push those stamps in. Then he'll rework the, the mug so it's circular. He'll fill that with a cobalt stain um, and then do everything in clear glaze. So it comes out a very speckled um, stoneware with a blue decal logo on the inside. It's pretty cool. Um, I didn't want to copy his style because we live two hours away. Um, and then I started seeing the decals like Justin Rothschild that he did. Um, and I figured out the iron HP laser jet decals. Uh, so I did those for a while, but you only get one color to work with, with the whole sepia tone stuff. And um, one of the big companies in town, they wanted an order of 30 mugs, but their logo was black and red, and they did not want sepia tone. So I went, like, looking um, for different ideas and came across my buddy Jesse, the Riverwood Potter. He did some, but he had a lady in South Africa screen printing decals. 
Um, and he was using them and I didn't want to go that route. Um, and I finally found enduring images in Colorado that has the, the printer. Um, and they pointed me towards Mariko Patterson in Nova Scotia. Um, so she printed that first load for me and, um, got them. They worked great. Uh, so I looked obviously at the price of one of those printers and <laughs> kind of chuckled and said, no, nah, just kidding. I'll keep getting them from Mariko. Um, so I actually, I would order from Mariko often and it was $25 a sheet, um, plus shipping. And, um, that would add up pretty quick. Plus what sucked is like, so for example, we would do a lot of 30, she'd send me 30 and I would tear one. It's like, oh great, now I have to order again, I have to wait. It took like two weeks to get through customs um, and it was just getting to be a hassle. So I was in Sika in Minneapolis walking through the, uh, what's the, the exhibition hall, exhibitors mm -hmm. hall. And just out of the corner of my eye, I saw the Enduring Images banner, and I was like, oh, that's that company. So I went over to talk to them and um, happened to actually walk away from that conversation owning a printer, which was not was not part of my <laughs> it was not part of my Inseca spending budget <laughs> or any budget at all. And um, it was crazy, but it's been honestly that that thing has changed our lives completely. Like we now will we'll custom print for people and ship them out. Um, I put those on those advertisement mugs. And I mean, literally, I checked the other day. I've printed over 600 pages. And if you do times $25 from Mariko, I don't it's paid itself off multiple times just in that way. And that's actually that printer is basically why. Um, my wall mugs became into existence because when COVID hit, nobody was ordering those advertisement mugs. So this thing became a paperweight. And so we started talking like, what can we do to make a mug where I can still use this color decal printer and yeah. not make, not make it look cheesy. Like just make a mug and throw a quilt on it. Like it works, but not really what I wanted to go for. Um, and that's actually how those came about. And then, people after well COVID's not over but it's kind of over so it's been crazy how many of those advertisement mugs we've been selling and yeah it's just it's it's a it's an expensive piece of machinery but if you use it it pays itself off quick if that makes sense, like, obviously, if you use it, it's going to pay itself off. But Well, yeah, especially, like, if you were, if, let's say you sold, let's say, like, for the advertisement mugs, you know, the basic mugs that you're selling, and you're getting $5 per decal, and, and then $3 for any extras, but let's just say you're doing one decal per mug, and you can get 30 decals on a sheet, I mean... You're already at 150 a page, right? Right. And and then 150 times what? We'll say half 400 of those or what? Decal mugs? Probably 400. Something like that, yeah. So you're at 150 times 400. That's sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That the, yeah. the printer has literally made for you. And that's just five. That was just the $5 for the decal. That's not even the and, mug. 
and that's just doing the advertisement. But I'm like, so yeah. just today I printed off 14 sheets at $25 a piece to ship to people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so, so it's you need. So do we do we tell people that if they need um, color decal papers to come to you? Yeah, they can. Or do you want the business? I mean, I don't advertise it. Just but people find me and I never say no to them. So, I mean, I'm fine okay. with it, but I don't want to turn into Elin Pottery that that's all I do is print decals. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she has an awesome business. I've talked with her a lot with the printer um, just because we have the same one. And it's it's awesome. I mean, what she's doing, she's flying through those pages so fast. It's amazing. I bet, yeah. But Yeah, well, and that's exactly why she bought employees. it, to do that. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And she has the employee base. She can do that and be successful, and it's working awesome for her. That's just yeah. not where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, do you do all the graphic work for it and all that, or does your yeah. wife have the skill nope. set and nope. know the I Photoshop? Do you do all of it. Okay. Yeah. So it's and that's the thing that people don't understand is like, hey, if I'm going to send you this, can you print it and ship it to me today? Yeah. In reality, I can. Um, but every piece has to be touched up because it's all CMYK and everything on the computer is RGB. So you mm-hmm. have to, you, it's going to print a color you can't see. Um, and it won't print exact 100% colors like turquoise, lime green, magenta, bright purple. Um, so you've got to learn like how I've got to make it look on the screen. So anything that's bright red on my screen is a fluorescent pink. Mm. Um, every black you have to put a black filter on top to make it a true black otherwise it comes out a dark grayish brown so it's just learning all the different colors and what you have to do to them Um, and then you print it and it's fine but it's not like it takes forever for the printer to heat up but then you have the laminating process you've got to turn the laminator on let it heat up for 30 minutes to an hour um, and, and run those through so it's just it turns into a process so this morning literally for three hours I was editing pictures and printing out printing out decals is there a is there like a physical thing that you could put over top of your screen so it like filters it a certain way so that you could see what it's actually going to look like based on the like colors sure changing i'm sh- i'm sure they're working on something um i think what a lot of people do is they'll print out a whole lot of color like uh what are they called like paint chips different color chips fire those onto tiles and you can have them laid out for what it is. Mm. So you can look at on your screen and you can see exactly how it prints. So I've been printing for a guy in Philadelphia, Tony Romero. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Um, and that's what he does. He, he sent me a big old paint chip. We printed that out. He fired it on a huge piece of white tile. And so now what he can do is he can check on the tile what it's going to be on the screen. He does all the editing. So he sends it to me and it's ready to print. That's nice. Shoot it through and it's awesome. But then the thing for them is they know exactly how it's going to look because most people will send me a logo and the red's not going to be the exact same red like the Pizza Hut logo red. It'll Mm -hmm. get super close. But if you need it exact like a turquoise, it's hard to really pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Don't send your shit to Isaac. (laughs) (laughs) Not your shit, just your decals. (laughs) Unless it's like simple, like black and white. I don't know. I would assume that's why you're doing decals, so they're not simple. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. The worst is like when people send you um, pictures of humans, like a loved one that died, and they want to put it like on a, on a pot or a mug. Like matching those skin colors is difficult. <laughs> but yeah, because it's not sharp color. edges like a logo. You just got to fill a whole <clears throat> a whole section right. in a one color, one solid color. But with that, yeah. it's like yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, it's too bad there's no, like, algorithm, you know, like, some sort of, like, math equation that you could so, just... So, it's not a straight math. conversion from, like, CM, CMYK to RGB, and, like, that's what I, I thought, like, a filter thing that you... Phys- like, there's certain things that some people have put over their screen, so, like, it changes it. Well, for, you can change, hmm, like... For, so like, brightness can, and stuff, so you can see what it actually looks like. Right. Yes. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can change... Like, in Photoshop or Illustrator or whatever, you pull in a, a file, and you can change that to CMYK, but the problem is that some of the colors on CMYK, because they're blocked out, they're not going to transfer over. Right, but the other thing that you have to remember, it's not just the RGB to CMYK. It's what will actually print because it's printing in that ceramic glaze yeah. with with the four cartridges of ceramic like underglaze material. It's like a really fine powder. So even if it matches up, those powders, some colors are just impossible to make by mixing those. And then when they fire and they mix with the white glaze behind it and the flux sheet on top, yeah. it changes out a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, so like looking at the screen, you have the white light coming through. We're on a mug you have nothing coming through with a light so it's it's just it's it's a bitch to figure out but. that does seem like a bitch yeah i guess that's why it's nice that leanne can come up with designs know exactly what they're gonna look like and copy 25 copies print yeah, yeah. So, i mean that's exactly right so she'd have those and they just order in and she knows they're done yeah yeah Oof. Oof. It's a lot. So were you, did you ever do like the, so how did the like sculpture fit into it? Did you have a, is there a reason that the the wall textures and that kind of thing came into it as well that influenced it? Um, I'm 100% honest, not even really sure why that all happened. <laughs> um, like I didn't set out saying I want to make old walls. Like it, it just, and like signage and stuff like that? Yeah, right. It just kind of happened. Like, I think one day I was carving bricks and then thought, oh, I could do that like on a on a mug. And then I was thinking about layers and have like the gesso or the plaster like chipping off. How would you do that? So to be honest, like a lot of it came from being in the classroom with students and seeing how they would um, manipulate clay with different tools and different ideas. So I would just beside them, I would sit and work. And while we're all hanging out on the wheel, throwing and altering mugs. I was doing the same thing and just seeing what would work and what wouldn't. Um, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of, like, growing up with my grandfather, he was a carpenter. So he built the house I'm sitting in right now. Um, and everything with them had to do with different styles of walls and bricks and, and cement and everything. So I think it, like, has something to do with that as well. Like, your your subconscious, I don't know how much that had to do with it. Um, but... Yeah. yeah, I thought some of the signage was going to be like, there was this 
building in my town that had like a, a bowl sign or something like bowling no. and it closed down but the sign's still there so yeah. like this sign is reminiscent of that <laughs> so a lot of the a lot of the signs actually are so like bowling like my wife and i every week in bolivia we would go bowling so like that's kind of where that comes from like they all have different meanings like the flower shop we're really big in the flowers and whatnot we did a flower shop sign um like gebhardt flowers yeah right <laughs> I was there this summer. I should do that. <laughs> Throw one of those on for Josh. He would shit so. his pants. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. I still gotta make a dancing sandwich one. Yeah, the dancing sandwich. That's yeah, because why am why am I getting a dancing sandwich, Mount Isaac? Because you are a nice person. Because <laughs> you paid me a prepaid order because <laughs> you gave me your glaze recipes Becca. that's right but i'm still trying to figure out actually i haven't tried at all i'm gonna restart it pretty soon yeah i need to just come down there for a week and have a a moment of glaze workshop with you and your wife right. <clears throat> i've also decided that everything that i've done in the past in pottery has just been lucky <laughs> oh yeah that's what everybody is it's just some admit it and some don't but it's true yeah like all my glazes that worked like everybody else has them and they're like why are they deadpanning and i'm like i've never had that issue for sure and like you know just everything else and they're like well how did you not get this to bubble or whatever and i'm like i don't fucking know i just tried it push the buttons on the kiln and it fired it worked yeah yeah I wonder if there's just subtle things that we do that it's just like either we don't we weren't taught a certain way or you just do it a certain way and it works and you just do it that same way every time. Like you always dip this glaze for like two seconds oh, and you exactly. always mix it with 20 pounds yeah. of water or whatever. So it's like it always works or Becca just mixes water in there. She doesn't wait and she just does it by like look or something. That was the hardest thing to tell you, too. He was like, how much water do I put in this? And I'm like, I don't know. I remember like, on, when I got your white glaze, I was like, how long do you dip a piece into your white glaze? Because I hold three seconds on almost every glaze. One of them I hold six, one of them I hold two. And she's like, oh, down and up, however long that is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, that that glaze, especially if it's too thick, it looks like crap. So it's like, it doesn't look like crap, but it it's just, it doesn't dry right and stuff like that. So. Oh, right. It gets really chunky. Yeah, it gets super chunky, so it's like, yeah, and then he's like, how much water do I put in here? And I'm like, uh, the till the bucket's half full? Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's worked so far. I've made about 20 buckets, and it works really well. Yeah. Good measurement. I mean, it works. Yeah, like, Rebecca does the whole specific gravity thing, and I've never even done that. Like, I know how to weigh it, but. She does that on every glaze? Yeah, we have to because all the glazes sometimes turn out differently and because we're so high production. Right, right. You know? It's got to so, be exact. It's got to be exact. Do you want a fun question from Josh? Uh, is it appropriate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Throw it out there. There are some that weren't. <laughs> of course, no one's <laughs> up. What's the strangest thing in your refrigerator? <laughs> Strangest, strangest thing in my refrigerator? 
funny thing. No. Karina's sitting right here, so I'm asking her. She's kind of giving me clues. Um, probably cashew-based yogurt. Yeah. Okay, Cashew-based cool. yogurt. Are they, like, fruit-flavored, or is it just, like, a plain? Um, it's a vanilla-flavored. So I'm lactose intolerant, and uh, I just found that last night. I hadn't had a cashew-based yogurt. It's actually pretty good. It's really, really smooth. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good. But we have a really awkward, so I'm allergic to gluten and lactose and red meat and everything. So our fridge is like everything very different. So I'm sure you could name a number of things that were probably strange. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like amino acids instead of soy sauce. Oh, oh yeah. I like that. Some of those coconut aminos. Coconut yeah, aminos. they're freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we should go back to pottery. This is fun. What's another Josh question? I'm oh, curious okay. what else he's got in what, there. Do we want to hear what Josh... Okay. Um, if you had a boat, what would you name it? If I had a boat? <laughs> I don't know where he got these questions from. <laughs> do people have boats in Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> is, there a, is there a waterway to put a boat on? Are there <laughs> boats in Kansas? Yeah. They're all, yeah. Not big ones. Not many yachts running around. I don't know. I had a boat. I would name it Bob. Because <laughs> it bobs up and down. I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm going to shorten this one. What's the best purchase you've ever made? Can be pottery purchases, too. I think we should just say, what's the best pottery? Like, what's your most favorite pottery purchase that you've made? Probably my printer. Oh, that's lame. Um, Becca thought you were gonna say a, a piece of pottery, not a yeah, not a oh part of your process. Wise, um, let's see a pot that I bought. Do y'all have a, a decent pot. collection? Yeah, we got. I mean, similar to the majority of people. Um, I bought a oh a Mark Arnold bag. It's pretty awesome. Is it a one finger oh, handle, two finger handle? It's a one finger handle. Are I you what, what kind of handle fan are you? Are you uh are you a one finger handle guy? I am a anything kind of hammer, like a anything kind of hammer. hammer. So I have a I have a hammer handled mug from Jesse Woodworth. It's awesome. It's like my favorite. But it's basically a two finger because it goes right between your middle <laughs> and that and you hold it. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, I would say I am a three finger with a pinky underneath to balance it. So like, you know, like this. Yeah. Gotcha. I think your handles are some of the most comfortable handles that I. Aw, Becca. It's true. Oh, no, not your not your basic bitch cups, though. Those are not some of the most comfortable handles. I'm talking about your fancy handles. Ouch. You can take the it. Fancy ones. So yeah, how many different handles do you have? Because I've seen the one that where you did the, a lot of the line work, and those are like upside down, kind of. Or they're yeah, yeah. So there's there's the the I put those on the wall in the line mugs, and then um, that's just your basic a, bitch handle. So the basic bitch, and then this one. <laughs> Which so these the the ones on the wall mugs, I will pull each one, so I won't weigh them out, but I'll cut out little like lugs. Roll them out, mm-hmm. and I'll pull each one, 
and then I'll stick them on a table and let them dry. Um, and then I'll cut them off the really thick part and then wrap them and make the form and stick them in a, in a damp box. Where the um, the basic mugs, I will just take a big old chunk of clay and I'll like ram horn wedge it. And then I'll just pull like five foot long and then make little six inch just on a board. Just go chunk, 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 chunk. And I do 32 mugs at once, so I'll do 32 of those out, and then I'll just attach them extremely wet and let them dry. Okay. So. so, Becca, you're talking about the the ones that he – are they, like, She's, thinner, or what do you like about them? They're not any of the two that he just showed, right? No, that's the first one. So the one that's upside down that goes – Okay. And it's, like, for me specifically, it's, like, the perfect size. Okay. Um. I don't know why. It just has a really good shape. Your thumb fits, like, on it really well. Um, it's just a good handle. Now, I'm curious why you don't extrude your handles. Is it just because you don't have an extruder? I do have an extruder, but I hate extruded handles. I just, I've never, liked. I don't know what it is, but I used to extrude. I think I tried it on one one batch and every single one of them broke after a glaze firing and i just feel like it wasn't like when i'm pulling them they weren't compressed like it, it compresses enough in my hand but i don't feel like it compressed enough in the extruder yeah. so for that reason i've just decided i hate them because they always break on me but i no, don't know I love, I love pulling handles like it's how are they breaking relaxing. are they like like cracking horizontally they would break right here every time on the ver right where your thumb goes. Oops, sorry. And it would break, just snap right in half. Oh. Uh, that's exactly what happened to my handles when I was ha having the handle debacle of 2020. And they would crack pretty much every single time right there or also come off the mug. And that was mostly because of the fucking clay. Yeah, I had that shit. a couple summers ago. I made like 500 mugs and I bet 300 of the handles came off. Oh my God! Yes, Jeez. I did a it mug club. Awful nightmare. Yeah, I did a mug club. I think a hundred mugs and sixty of them broke. Yeah, it's awful. It was my my wife Green was actually in Bolivia that summer, and I stayed back and just made as many mugs as I could. So when we came back in September, we'd have a lot made, and literally three quarters of them, all the handles just popped off when they were drying. I've never had it. But I think it was, I was drying the mugs upside, like right side up. So I would, now I flip them over, dry them upside down and they're perfect. But I was drying them just normal. And I think the Kansas heat, because I mean, it's over 100 degrees every single day. And I was out in the studio. They were just drying way too fast at the top and the bottoms weren't. Yeah. Um, and it was always the top attachment that was falling off. Yeah. Yeah, I always dry them upside down. Uh, your mugs at the studio are, like, some of the fan favorites, for sure. Oh, really? The basic bitch ones? Yeah. Oh, nice. The handles just suck. No, the specific one that I have was too close to the... It's too close to the mug. Knuckle burner? Oh, I get that. Yeah, it j yeah, it's, like, too close to the mug. That's the only problem. No, I get that. That's definitely happens. I've actually just recently started putting, like, this... Can you see it? The little elbow right here yep. yeah because it used to always curve and go straight straight at it like that yeah and now because after making the little elbow in these guys i started just doing that i'll throw it and then i'll pull it out just a little bit 
Yeah. That's actually gave it a lot more comfortable, and it's kept the knuckles away from the body. Yeah. See? Mm. Nice. Love subtleties, it. Subtleties of the handles. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's been hours on handles. Yeah, when Not you're making hands. and when you're making that mini and you have that much loss, it's like you gotta oh, find yeah. a little fine tuning and the. Yeah. So I had a question that I don't know that I know the answer to. Where does the gallery name? How do you say it first, and then where does that name come from? Mostaza is that how you say it? Yeah. So you pronounce it Mostaza. Mostaza. Which means mustard in Spanish. Okay. So when we were deciding, so I lived in Bolivia for three years, um, and we speak Spanish at home. And so when we were deciding what we were going to do, we decided we wanted it to represent, not just be a name, but actually represent who we were and like as a couple, as a family. Um, so we decided it needed to be something in Spanish, which just kind of set it apart. Like I'm kind of one of those guys where I know some people, like, they think it's horrible marketing to make something not obvious but i'm the guy that if i see something that's not obvious and i look it up i'm going to remember a whole lot better than if if not so i like having kind of those secret meanings um and i've heard a lot about it this week and particularly i'm part of a group here and we had meetings trying to market our town and they were giving us crap about our name because nobody knows what it means um so it was in spanish for that reason but then Karina really wanted it to be black and yellow. Like our basic logo is going to be black, but like highlights of yellow in the gallery um, because her favorite color is yellow. Um, like a mustard yellow, not bright like mustard, but a very kind of toned down. And then it just hit me one night. We were just rattling off names um, or words in Spanish. Um, and I think we were reading the Bible with our kid. He has a little kid picture Bible that we read at night. Um, and it mentioned the mustard seed and the parable of the mustard seed, which um, in the Christian faith is like, if you have enough, if you have as much faith as a mustard seed, which is freaking little, you can do great <laughs> things. Um, so we started like super little and we feel like we're kind of growing like the, at the kind wow. of crazy rate. Um, so, yeah, so it has a lot to do with that Christian parable. But then when we um, when we wrote it out, it's MOS with a little yellow dot. So that little mm -hmm. yellow dot is the actual mustard seed. And then uh -huh. it's T-A-Z-A, -A, which is taza, which in Spanish, the word taza means coffee mug. What? So kinda, yeah, so it kind of worked out kind of cool. Which... It's M-O-S, but if it was M-A-S, like how most Americans say it, like mustasa, that would actually mean more coffee mugs. So it's it was just, when it, wow. when we figured out, it like blew our mind, and we're like, yep, that's what it's got to be. So, so, mo so mostasa, mostasa is mustard? Yeah, right. Yeah, All one mostasa. word? Mostasa is mustard. Mostasa. Wow. See, that's a good story right there. <laughs> I'm still thinking I like, about it. I like the mustard seed comparison there. That's pretty. Wow. Yeah, thanks. Yes. That's She's fucking kinda, clever. Plus, like, I feel like Becca likes the yellow. Like, I think the yellow looks super classy. Like, I do. Seeing furniture in like that mustard colored yellow, it makes yeah, me think right. of like mid-century and really clean and. I yep, was exactly. I was so happy when mustard came back into style like a couple years ago. 
Because mustard colored furniture is the shit. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I love a good um, yellow chair. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Hmm. Do you all have any other names in the in the hopper of what you were thinking of? Oh, uh, what works? So we're on Highway 160, um, right on the highway, and we actually have a, a line of coffee that we do in it. So I really wanted um, coffee and clay 160, and she she pronounced that pretty hard. That's she pretty was like, boring. I want nothing to do with a number. Cause do you all have does. some coffee there? That you? Do you all sell some local coffee or coffee beans? Yeah. Or something like that? So I have. Um, I used to teach in a school closer than my last school, and one of my students' moms, she has a roaster there, and that's what her full-time job is. It's called Harmony Coffee Roasters, and. Um, she came down and asked if she could buy a load of mugs that she could put in her um, little restaurant. And so she just sells them like wholesale. And so then we were talking and when we started doing the whole gallery thing, we're like, I mean, cause we would, when we sell a wall mug, if she'll give us a little sample to put in for people. Um, and then we started thinking like, what, like, I mean, a lot of people do it. I know Leanne sells coffee and whatnot. Um, but we just said like to have something in the gallery, something extra, we have little half pound bags of coffee um, and it's been awesome. She'll roast about 40 bags for us uh, before a show. And it's been great. I mean, people love to buy a mug with a bag of coffee for a gift. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all locally roasted. And now when we go to farmer's markets, they've actually asked if we'll be the head coffee people. So we like brew it up and sell it by the cup. Um, so we charge $2 for a cup of coffee. So people will buy a mug, they'll buy a cup of coffee and a bag of coffee. And it's, it's been pretty awesome. So do you all have the equipment to brew it and all that? Or is it just pretty simple yeah. brewing? Yeah, I mean, so we bought all this stuff to have, like, the big actual things. And, yeah, we do it all. Wow. And um, it's pretty cool. So then we call that the Cafe Tassa. So it's the the coffee mug. Um, oh. So it goes with most Tassa and then Cafe Tassa. Ew. Good, Love good it. branding right there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Boom. <laughs> We're working on it. It's it's going. Oh, uh, what about the candles that Karina's doing? Oh gosh, she's killing it. She's freaking going crazy. So she's we decided three years ago, four years ago, um, she wanted to make some. Well, I thought it would be cool to put some coffee. Burn the midnight oil over there. That's right. Hi. Hi. So we had discussed putting it in like a mug, right? So when it burns out, then they'll have their mug. Well, a mug holds 14 ounces of wax. It's a freaking ton of wax. <laughs> um, and nobody's going to want to pay that much for a candle. So we did little espresso mugs, um, filled them up, and we did little tiny little bowls that she scraffitoed on. And we put them for a Christmas open house. What did we make? 50 of them, I think, our very first day or our first show. We didn't know what we were doing. And... Um, Literally within six minutes, she sold all fifty. What? Gosh. And it has been it has been a mad rush for her candles ever since for three Did years. They, they're white, right? They're just white. Do they have a scent? Yeah. So so we started doing them all with um, they're all very clean soy wax, and she did them all with 
um, what are the oils, the fancy oils, the expensive oils? Essential oils. Essential oils, and they're freaking expensive, and they didn't work. Apparently, those are really sensitive. They burn out really quick in the yeah. in the wax if it's too hot. And the majority of people like that come to our shows, like in South Central Kansas, are not humongous essential oil lovers. So we use good wax, but we now we now put the other scents in. It's a good, it's a good, good it's a good fragrance, but it's not like the super healthy like whatever. Um, so yeah, we do like so now she just ordered all the fall ones. We have like pumpkin spice, like cranberry apple, all these different fall ones. We have Christmas ones spring ones and summer ones um so now it's like basically a candle factory just literally today i pulled out 125 candles from the kiln Mm. so now they'll they'll get glazed tomorrow and then she'll fill them next week how much Uh, do you sell a candle for so the espresso mug ones are 25 dollars, and they're Mm -hmm. eight ounce Mm -hmm. and we call them little planters they're literally just a little we, we tell people to plant a succulent in it when it's done. It's a little eight ounce just jar, um, and they're fifteen dollars. Okay. Um, yeah, and they go they go really really well. Um, so last for Christmas she made one hundred and twenty five <laughs> of them and sold out on the first day. Um, Jeez. And now she's starting to like put dried flowers in the top, so like <gasps> the wax. Yeah. Um, coffee shops are starting to order from her with coffee candles and we'll grind beans and put them on the top and yeah so now she's wanting to really market those so we're coming up with a name for what her candles are going to be i think we're going to call it wicks and wax um why not most candles (laughs) we we thought about it but i don't it's just what's candle translate to in spanish Candle is Bela. Most Bela. Most Bela. <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be it. Tostasa, coffee. Do it, do wax. it, do it. <laughs> so we'll see. We're still in the process of figuring that out. But she loves the branding marketing part. So she's working on all that. Yeah, so it sounds ex- like you're, you all are just kind of figuring out which, which items that you could just make in bulk and just sell a whole bunch of them. Right. So yeah. how's that process? Do, do, do you have, do you get excited about finding new things to make that oh, work? Yeah, or sure. is it just like, is it just trying things? Make, like you said, you made 50 of something, saw if it sold, it did well. So now you're making like 150 of them this next time or. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's all about, we will try two or three different things and if they work. So last year at Christmas, she made, um, an angel, like a simple hand-built little jar, carved an angel out of it, blazed it white, and I looked at it, and I'm like, you need to make about 30 of those. So it, I think she made 30, and they sold out on the first day. And so, I mean, this year she's going to make probably 100 of them because we know those will go quick. <laughs> um, there's other things we've made, like little soap dishes. Um, they were kind of a bust. So now Karina's revamped those. She has the first trials coming out. Um, and the kiln light is pulled out today, so we'll glaze those tomorrow, um, and we'll see how they go. But yeah, it's just trial and error of different forms, um, and it's not always the ideas bad. Like we had some oil bottles that just didn't sell; they weren't good. Um, revamped it to a different shape, and now they they fly off the shelf. So it's yeah, it's definitely finding what the customer wants compared to what you basically want to make. Um, but it. it 
it becomes at what point are you becoming an artist or are you just a craftsman? I mean, some people really only want to make fine art, $150 mugs, where I just want to make money. Right. <laughs> you want to make money? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love that statement. Can we make a shirt that says that? We've got a lot of shirts that we need. Some people want to make art. I just want to make money. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just the hardcore truth. Like, I mean, people say mark your prices up. So your $20 mug, you should you should sell those for $35, which, yeah, I should. But I would, I would rather make a lot more mugs and sell them cheap and keep making than find the perfect buyer who's going to pay 35 bucks in my hometown for that mug. Plus you love so. just sitting down and throwing a bunch of mugs. Like, Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so soothing. So yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I'm a cheating artist. Cause you're like finding <laughs> this, finding the demand and you're like, all right, let's just double down on making more of those. Uh, oh I, yeah. Like hearing you talk about these different things that are just working. It's like, you can find success just making like five and six different types of items or like Larry For Bruning sure. or whoever you're talking about, Becca, like he, they only made planters and different sizes of planters. Like, yeah, that's what like your whole business other stuff, be. but planters was 75 to 80% of his business. And like from, and still is, even though he's passed, um, they still make four inch planters, two inch planters, six inch, eight inch, 12 inch, 13-inch planters. They make huge-ass planters, and they right. ship them. And I've told you this. They ship them all yep. down to, um, down to like, all of the Portland nursery and stuff like that. And I don't know if it was back in the day when planters were big, but now planters are big again, you know? Oh, for sure. Like in spring, <clears throat> that's one of our main sellers. It's just a circle planter with a hole in the bottom. It's yeah. a very quick throw, dip it in a white glaze, and people love it against a succulent green. Have you guys done sponge holders for Christmas? Um, never have. It's been on our list to try, but we've never done one. I feel like in Kansas that would be a thing, especially if she did a sponge holder with a little um angel on it. Or you did oh, like for sure. Like if you just did if you just did Christmas sponge holders that were white that said like ho 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 or um this child is born or some shit like that, you know, like <laughs> that sounds like something you put on like ornaments or something or just like a fucking Christmas tree or just a Christmas tree. And then the sponge holder, people would put that up. People in Kansas, people in Kansas, Colorado, all those middle States, they decorate for holidays. Oh, for sure. That's, I mean, we make those simple little Christmas tree cone Christmas trees. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Like I would never buy that, but people, we sell three or 400 of those at Christmas and it's That's crazy. Just strictly decoration and people absolutely love decorating here for holidays. It's crazy. It's so true. It's very true. It's very true. Like, like coming from that type of community, it's just like, I had a friend that would decorate the shit out of their house for the 4th of July. Oh yeah. Like the the Fourth of July is such a big holiday, <laughs> and I, I like Halloween here. Oh my gosh! Like people turn their front yards into graveyards. It's ridiculous. Like yeah, it's just if I could make a tombstone on a wheel, I would kill it. <laughs> That's why I never 
That's why I never was good at selling anything at Christmas time or any other holidays because I don't celebrate holidays, not because I don't believe in them or anything. It's just because I don't care about them. But, um, like, like I don't have a Christmas tree. Like, I don't do all that stuff, so I've never known what to, like, Yeah, you don't know what, what people would want to buy. What they would go time. for. Yeah. I did, however, do one. Nine cork um, bottle stoppers with snowmen on top. Oh, nice. They were so cute. Yeah, that would be good. I had a snowman army. A snowman army. That makes me think of Calvin and Hobbes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Basically. There's (sighs) money to be made out there for those holidays. I mean, you're making, how many pumpkins did you say you're making? 400? Uh, yes, we're throwing, I'm throwing 400. I've got 345 right now, so I've got 55 left. And, uh, she's doing 1,200 little guys. And then once that's done, we'll start Christmas trees. Does does that make you feel like you're just, it, it just puts you in a spot where you're like, you can kind of plan out your year a little bit, where you're like, okay, I need to be making, yeah, you know, uh, uh, trees at this point. I need to be making pumpkins at this point. You know. Yep. So I think it was the end of December, the beginning of January, we got an Airbnb up in Kansas City and we went and tried to plan out our full year looking at each month, like what um, what holidays are coming that you've got to plan for, because you've got to be like two or three months in advance before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll do that. Like what shows do we want to be at? What events are we going to do at our house? We try to have one big event every quarter. Um, we try to do one class every month in our gallery. Um, like, so we'll do, we'll give everybody a white mug. So this was supposed to be on Saturday, coming up this Saturday, we were going to give everybody a white mug who signed up for the class, give them a sheet of fall themed decals, and then they could learn about decaling ceramics and they would make their own unique fall mug. Um, however, we're in quarantine right now, so we had to cancel our class. So we're not doing that class anymore. Um, so we'll try to do things like that every month. Um, it's kind of turned into every two months just because it's it's not that much work, but it just takes a lot of work. If that makes yeah. Sense. Plus you got to mm-hmm. advertise for it. You got to fill it yeah. up. You got to communicate with the students and exactly prep everything. Right. Exactly right. So yeah, and it's just trying to plan everything out at once, so you know, like on Ju- on July fifth, we start making pumpkins. Um, and it gives us two months, but yeah, so it's, do you, do you ever feel like you're, you like neglect your Instagram audience at all because you have to focus on the, yeah, all the time. Like right now I'm in an Instagram slump, but I mean, it's like I said, I'm making pumpkins all day, every day. Like, yeah, it's boring, but yeah, I need to do some videos and stuff. But other times, like, I just get so tired of being on Instagram. Like, I honestly don't know how, like, Kurt Hammerly does it because it's the time investment and the the daily. But like even you, Ryan, you're 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 you post daily, semi daily and it's and stories. And yeah, I mean, I've tried to just do the life, my life in the studio, what I'm doing every hour pick up the phone and just show what i've done 
I'm just like, nobody cares what I'm doing in my studio <laughs> myself. So I don't, they do, I mean, though. That's what we've learned. I feel like it's right. probably more beneficial to the peers of mine that are up and coming and like learning how I make certain things. But maybe that's not right. true. Maybe customers get a lot of value out of that. I mean, I, I did have some customers at the show this weekend say like, oh, yeah, I watch this stuff on Instagram. It's really soothing to watch his videos and stuff. So like customers and people that aren't even familiar get something out of it. Like, I'll watch anybody doing a live just because I like I like interaction while I'm throwing or whatever. You give me so much shit when I do live. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I um I started doing like some TikTok videos again, and even just the third day of doing a video, I'm like, what am I gonna post? I I did oh, this yeah. shape yesterday. Like I did oh, this yeah. shape yesterday. Like what am I gonna and I'm not even doing fancy stuff. I'm just literally th- throwing my phone up against my bucket, shooting a video super quick, and then right. not even editing it. You know what might be cool? Like, what if you, like, just, okay, you're throwing the same form. What if you just did th- three different angles? Like, okay, today you're doing a straight-on angle so you can see what it looks like. This one you're going to do close-up so you can see, like, basically where my fingers are touching the clay while I'm, like, pulling and stuff. And then this other one's, like, straight above me. Like, I feel like that could be interesting. <laughs> but it's the exact same form. Yeah, but that requires work. <laughs> that would require a lot of work, but it would make one good reel. Well, no, I'm yeah. saying you do it, like, real time. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, figuring out what you want to... Well, I don't you know get how to put my it. phone above my wheel. Well, that one might be tricky, because you're just leaning against the bucket. But maybe you have a bucket that's closer, and you could do, like, a closer one. But For sure. What is what is you guys' thoughts on the whole putting your face on Instagram? Like, so, Ryan, you do, like, a ton of... of you talking and you're not ashamed of like looking at your camera and talking to yourself in your basement. But if mm-hmm. you look, so if I look at the most successful Instagram accounts, like let's say you and Hammerly, um, Forest Ceramic, Kowalski, uh, Tim Ceramics, like they all put their face on there where I hate talking in my stories or showing my face in my stories. Like I'll put a picture up of the family, but do you think that has, a relevance of what makes it successful do people like seeing that do they want that engagement you're more successful than i am on instagram i think i think i do it because when i go to somebody's page i want to see what they look like and who i'm who i'm following like i want to see the person behind who's making this thing right so maybe that's why i do it personally plus i just think it feels like this is exactly what i'm doing this is me talking about it. Like, there's nothing, like, you know, um, like, tailored and, like, you know, staged or anything. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. like I'm sure some people feel like they have to make it all perfect. And, like, I'm sure some women that get on there feel like they have to, like, make their hair look presentable or, like, put makeup on or whatever oh, to be sure. on stories. Maybe that's just a male-female thing. But, like, I don't ever feel that way. I'm like, shoot, I'm just... The only thing I'm conscious of is I, I'm not going to put the shirt in the laundry because I didn't leave the house today. I'm going to wear it again, but I'm not going to wear it tomorrow because I might be seeing in the video that I wore the exact same shirt two days in a row. But, like, <laughs> I'm going to wear it, like, three days later. But it's, like, that's the only thing I'm conscious of. But, I mean, right, like, right. you know, whatever. I, 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 here's what I feel like. Um, 
your pieces are like amazing. I think we all agree that your like wall mugs are amazing and they're on Instagram. And I think that your pieces can only get you so far with most accounts. Okay. With most accounts. And at some point people want to see who is making the pieces and, and like the reason like Hammerly stuff is cool, but Hammerly stuff is cool because people feel like they have a connection with Kurt. And even if they don't and um, like my stuff, like I don't post anything on my Instagram and I have 7,000 followers because all I do is like post pictures of my cats and like, and like people (laughs) feel like, you know, people feel like they are part of my life because they're watching this like cat love story happening. Right. right. And, and so that's, so if you have a really amazing product, you can get pretty far, I believe. But if you have a really amazing product and you show your face, I don't think that that's stoppable. Right. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. That's Why don't you way. show your wife? No shit. <laughs> I mean, I'd get a lot of followers then. It'd be a totally different group of followers. <laughs> yeah, she's cute. <laughs> she said I should. you should be the face of my Instagram, and we'll get followers. I should show her working in the studio. Like, what's she working on today? I always try to, and her instruction is, don't put my face in there. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, that's funny. Yeah. I'm really, are you guys going to do anything with those flower decals that you guys made? Because I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like a, some, didn't Karina make like some flower like drawings like last spring? Oh yeah. We, uh, we never put that stuff on Instagram. It's on Facebook. You need to put it on a wall mug. I've thought about that, actually. Actually, you told me to do that a while back. I yeah, did. I probably will at some point. So what she did, a lot of those, what she did is she researched and found the horoscope. Each month has a horoscope flower. Apparently. Oh. So, like, June is the rose. But then she found out, like, what the ro- why the rose is that, what it means. And then she kind of summarized it all down into one word. Um, so we call them her birthday mugs. So she'll... She'll make 12 at a time. Obviously, we print all of them out. Um, but it's it's crazy. We've actually never advertised those, and they're one of our best sellers. Because people walk in, they're like, oh, what's this? It's a flower in a mug. And then you explain it to them, and they're like, oh, I'll take this month, this month, because I've got all these birthdays coming up. And it's like the most genius thing that she's ever done. Wow. I, so- wonder, if, I wonder if you could transfer that to Instagram. I bet you could. Oh, I'm sure. She has her Instagram. She's just not good at posting on it. So you say certain things are on Facebook and certain things are on Instagram. So you never like cross post or if you do, you manually post each one. Yeah, I'll manually post if I want to cross it. OK, yeah, I'm so and I think a lot of the part that like I'm kind of just burnt out right now, especially on Instagram is I'm trying to do my Facebook, my Instagram. I'm trying to do the gallery, Facebook and Instagram which those do overlap, um, but it's just thinking, which I know a lot of people it's do a lot. A, lot, a lot more than just those two accounts, but it's just tough. Oh, and then I like have the imposters thing. Mm-hmm. We have the, our whole Instagram page on that too, trying to keep up with that. 
Um, and that just, that put me over the edge. It was just way too much. Yeah. Two accounts is a lot period for anybody, even if, right. two, and you could just say that your Instagram is one account and your Facebook is a separate account. Like, Oh, it definitely you is. have to think creatively what you want to put on each one. So like you're yeah. managing at least three accounts. Right. On a regular yeah. basis. So, and that's right now. I mean, I'm blowing up Facebook right now, just with our County fair and our pumpkin thing coming up. Um, so, so Instagram is definitely kind of falling behind. Um, but I'm not doing any Instagram worthy work. Yeah. I have learned like I do big serving bowls with a texture on the inside, and those on Instagram are actually really, really, really popular. So I've been making a lot of those. So I need to put some of those on maybe. Um, but those are things that go to like fairs with us. Mm-hmm. They're kind of the the big throw it up on a stand, catch people's attention, and they come in and buy a mug. Um, so yeah, so that's good. But just a basic mug and blue glazed hasn't yeah. really worked on my instagram but Super on my simple. facebook it does <laughs> i'm curious if the big the big pieces that are on instagram if people just like it because they're like that took a lot of work at the minimum yeah, i can right. just like that thing. yeah like, <laughs> right right <laughs> you know well people don't have really imagination they either like really large things or really small things oh for sure yeah, your basic anything is just not exciting, I guess. Nope. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we pretty much covered all the questions that other people asked. There were one other one that came through, but we talked about, you know, your style and developing that with the, you know, the wall stuff, and um, and then some other people asked about the decal firings. What's the temperature? temps that you do those at um so the majority of people are going to fire those at 018 which is like a luster mm-hmm. um the, the actual printer that i got is it's it can work from 018 to cone six so my decals can actually fire really really hot i don't really know why you would want to unless you're like layering them into a different firing um they do burn out a little bit so they get a little washy at that high of a temperature but not too terrible um, I fire mine according to the schedule that the uh, the company actually gives, and they are not potters. They're actually uh, memorial. Um, what are they called? So like tombstones. When you go and Grandpa's face is on the little oval on the tombstone, mm-hmm. that's their whole business. Um, that's awesome. So they don't work much with potters. It's kind of potters are finally finding them, and they're starting to get more and more and more of us. Um, so they don't work in cones. They just work in Fahrenheit. Um, so the schedule they gave me is it's a two part where it's like 277 degrees until 650 and then 382 degrees until 1652, which goes to about 010. And mm-hmm. I've done them. At, I've done them at 018 and I've done them at 010 and I can physically feel the difference with my hands. Like the 010 is amazingly soft and smooth. Um, the 018 works fine. Nobody would know the difference, um, customer wise, but I just kind of OCD about my stuff. Um, mm. and I just always, I run them up the 010. It's not a big deal to me. So what have, can you put a decal just on like raw clay? Yeah. So actually during, during COVID, um, last year, me and Justin Roshank talked a whole lot about like the whole decal process and what you can do. Um, and so he was kind of encouraging me to try them on different things for the whole look of the wall. Um, because for example, 
I'll do all the different things in the wall. And kind of the last thing I do is I splatter paint just to make it look kind of like a graffiti, whatever, of a little splash of paint. Um, and then it gets glazed and a, a decal goes on the, on the top of it. So it was just, it was weird because the image on the wall of the decal was on top of the splattered paint and everything. And it just mm. didn't work out. Um, so I started putting on decals on the bisque and then throwing the paint on top or the underglaze on top of that. And it's, pretty crazy like it makes that decal look like it's been on a wall for a hundred years just because it doesn't adhere like the glue on the back of the decal really sticks well to the glaze and on a biscuit doesn't Um, and I mean literally it'll fall off so what I've learned is what I'll do is I'll put it on there I'll heat it up with a heat gun or with a hair dryer and what that does is it melts that flux sheet on the top just enough that it sticks on to the actual surface um, but not all the way around, but that's what you don't know. So it'll come out and there'll be a humongous like burn mark out where it blistered up because it wasn't adhered to the surface, but it makes it look like it's been on that wall forever. That's cool. So Whoa. you can do it. You can do it on greenware. You can do it on anything. I mean, raw clay like Justin, he'll roll out a, a, a plate and throw a decal on it and it's still super wet clay. Um, but every time you do it, it has a different effect. Because 010 is almost bisque, so... <laughs> yeah, correct, right? Um, and the thing is, so, like, when you do a glaze fire... Well, sorry, a decal fire, a lot of the decals... Like, Charles. if you Charles. throw... If you throw... <laughs> if you throw a laser decal, and they go to 04... <laughs> Charles is making up for his... His absence God. today. So anyways, when you fire the, the laser decals to 04, um, a lot of times that will change the glaze color because the, the chemistry starts changing when it hits that high of a temp. Where the 010, I haven't got it to do that yet, which is nice because if I do it on a blue, it'll usually stay pretty blue. Um, where the 04 firing would turn that blue kind of yellow. Yeah, I've actually in college we bisque to 08, so I'm curious if like 010 is that much different. Oh wow! Or I think we did, I think we might have bisque to 010 for like raku pieces that we were gonna put in the. Oh yeah, right. In the raku kiln, so I'm curious if like just bisking something with a decal on it to 010, and then putting a glaze on it, like what it would look like. It's fun. Like, can you put you can put glaze on top of a decal, I guess, right? Yeah, you can. I mean, they don't encourage it, but I do. You wouldn't. It probably it make just it. makes it it makes it look extremely glassy. Okay. Yeah. So, like, one thing I've really been wanting to play with is how I can add stained glass windows into these walls and actually make it look like a translucent like window. Um, and that's one thing I've kind of had the idea of getting that decal. Like, so if I threw Jesus in the window, like you're looking through the church window and you can see a picture of Jesus on the inside, Becca, stop laughing. <laughs> and, um, I, I mean, the stained glass windows is a big Catholic thing. Like, yeah, for sure. And then I would put like a ton of clear glaze over that. Cause it would make it look like a really thick layer of that glaze or of yeah. a window, whatever on top. So I've tried. It has been nothing worthy of putting on Instagram. It's kind of a bitch to figure out, but I'm slowly working on it. Cool. So we'll see. All right. Becca, do we have any fun Josh questions to close us out? We do. We do. 
Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I told him these. I told him I was talking to you, and then he gave me seven questions in like a minute. <laughs> after oh my I, gosh, he had these on after deck. After I called him, so, so I don't think he did have these on deck. Just from. <laughs> <laughs> He said, "What's a useless talent? Useless talent you possessed?" I can I can uh, chirp like a cricket. <laughs> let's hear it. I probably can't now that I'm laughing. All right, let's uh. Let me let me get a drink first. You should have did it when we had some silent moments. I know. Oh man. <laughs> You should uh, do that at like. Have you ever done that like in a room where it's like? Oh, <laughs> definitely. In a presentation or something. Oh. I could yeah. see it like a in Sika presentation, <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not something that big, but I've definitely done it like at church or something. But. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's great. Plus, you can't even really tell. Like that was real subtle. Yeah, it's, you've got to be looking like at the lips, definitely. Otherwise, you have no so clue who's so doing great. it. That's that's so good. Okay. Um, what's something your brain tries to make you do, but you have to will yourself not to do it? <laughs> oh man. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I was thinking you meant, like, something that you wish you could do, but you're not, like, that age to do it, so you can't, like, physically do it. I thought that's what you were kind of getting at, but I don't know. I'm like, positive. I understand it. I understand that, like, um, like, we speak a lot of Spanish at home, and I'll be out in public, and suddenly, like, I want to say something, and I'll, I'll speak Spanish to somebody, and they look at you like, what? It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> so yeah, you get the wrong okay. language or something. Like your brain was thinking something different and it made you do it. You didn't want do to. Do you do you th- can you think in Spanish? Yeah. Or do you think in English and like translate it or you speak it so no. daily that it's like I mean, yeah, pretty much everything. So a guy told me that you know you're doing good when I can like I can be talking to you two and Karina can be on the phone with her mom and I understand our conversation and her conversation. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of where we're at. Cool. So did but, I mean, this is what we do all day, every day. So. so did your wife only speak Spanish or did she speak like when you when met she, her? When she came to America, she didn't know any any English. OK, and we had I'd been down there for three years. So we got married. She didn't. So you already knew some Spanish because you were going to Bolivia. No, she taught me. Basically, I didn't oh, know okay. when I got there. We worked together our first year. She was the psychologist at daycare, but I knew nothing. So, yeah, she, uh, we learned, I learned Spanish and then she learned English. So, I know, uh, I know another guy that the exact, well, he met his wife at a bar and she didn't know any English and he didn't know any Spanish. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's not quite that extreme. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, when we met, but we also weren't like, we didn't date for a year after we met. So, yeah. But what's funny now is our four-year-old kid, he'll correct me in Spanish, and he'll correct me in English. (laughs) Nice. Okay, if you could know the absolute and total truth of one thing, what would it be? (laughs) Of one thing? COVID. Like... (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. That is good. 
Okay. And then if you did, uh, who would believe you? Like, what's your, yeah, no <laughs> what's your credibility it would, to... It would be useless information at this point. Yeah. yeah. But you'd know. I would know. And then I'd look at all these memes and just be like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the last and final question. Why, and jo- why are Josh and Becca your favorite ducking people? <laughs> 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 because because autocorrect. <laughs> it did start with autocorrect the first time, didn't it? Which one? When you said ducking to me, like the first time, did it start with autocorrect? Oh, it's always been autocorrect. I hate it. I don't even know where ducking comes from. I say <laughs> the word all the time. So it's like, why does my phone autocorrect to ducking? But <laughs> it does to everybody. Maybe it's a G-rated phone. It's all right. Yeah, because, like, the first time, I don't know, Isaac said, you're ducking stupid or something like that. And then I, like, (laughs) (laughs) I sent the screenshot to Josh, and he was like, that's hilarious. I don't even even know how I started talking to you or Josh. Like, (laughs) it's been so long ago. I I don't even remember. I don't know either. No. Maybe it was maybe it was something with glazing. I don't know. I have no idea. I think you were just oh well. I heard your I heard you on the podcast with Ryan. Um, oh right, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I think I reached out to you, but I'm not sure like what about or anything. And then yeah, I, I just started. Remember. Yeah. I mean, I probably saw your stuff from when you were doing your line work and maybe some of the, like, Amico. Because mm. you used Amico underglazes yeah, right. for all your right, line work, right? right. right? Mm-hmm. Or you did some collabs with some people. I think that's probably where I first saw your stuff. Yeah. Right. yeah. Like, Tony and Andrew. I did with Andrew a collab. I have one of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you got a bowl, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we we've talked about doing more of those because he's now full time. Do you know he's back to being full time? Yeah. Kicking ass and taking names. We need to have him on the podcast too. Yeah, yeah we need sure. to he's awesome. chat with Andrew. Yep. He's awesome. He, he's so funny. Um, is, uh, I started when I met Andrew, or when I like started to know him was when he did the uh, the Tuesday night shirtless throwing videos <laughs> that were so Transformation funny. Tuesday. Yeah, it was Heck Transformation yeah. Tuesday and it was right in the light of like Tortoise and all these guys that are throwing oh, yeah, shirtless right. and he fucking started <laughs> throwing huge ass pots with his hairy chest. Oh, <laughs> it was magic. I love you, Andrew. You, you are magic. He came down here for two nights on his way to ClayCon West with you guys. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So is Inseca going to happen this year? I don't know. I mean, it's in San Francisco or Sacramento? Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah. I hope Which so. Is like, I hope it does, but it's also the most like COVID-restricted state. Right. So I could see them shutting it down. Them, not Inseca. Especially with this Delta stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
I hope I, I, I don't I don't think I've heard anything about you know Claycon West issues. That's also that's in Utah, but they're not um, gonna shut down. But yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, and I mean we that's so little. A, could just do a Claycon Central States at Mostasa. Have everybody come out here. Be sweet. Have it outside. <laughs> I mean, we have a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> With a ballroom. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think it has that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have a ballroom. <laughs> it has a conference where room. Where do people get married? Where do people get married at the church? Uh, or in Wichita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the church is, I guess. But we should just have it. one outside where we have to like dig up our. Own. Oh my God! Can we have clay Olympics at Mostasa and like oh, yeah. where they have. Where they have to like dig up their clay, and then we can have a throwing competition, and we can have a handle pulling competition. They there's do that. Our, there's clay in our in our creek. Yeah, they do that at Burnish Clay, or like up in Bellingham, they do like a a clay Olympics. It needs to happen somewhere. Oh my gosh, I can imagine somebody. It's like, okay, you're barefoot, you're digging clay, and you got to run to the wheel, you got to like wedge it, throw it on the wheel, you got to <laughs> make a form and then finish and like put it on a table, but. <laughs> And you've got to load these hundred cups into a kiln. Go. <laughs> yes, that would be so fun. And like fun. to have like a central location and just do like a field day. Let's do it. Play you Olympics. advertise it. We'll do it. We'll do it someday. That would be, be awesome. sweet. Just having a table full of pieces and you're like, okay, you get to load this kiln. Whoever can fit the most pieces in this kiln and shut the lid wins or something. <laughs> It's a great idea. That's you have like 20 idea. minutes to 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 load, and that's it. Yes, that's a great idea. And then the oh adventure film shelves could have a, a table next to us to advertise. We, if you had put our film shelves in, you can get 20 more mugs in there. That's right. Yeah. Let's do it. Take, we'll host it. You can take a five minute cut if you use advancers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll host it. That'll work. We'll do it in uh, October so it's not hot or cold. Yeah. 2022. Sponsored by Wheel Talk. Yes. Right before Pot Swap official starts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's sneaking up on us, Becca. No, and I need to do I need to do t-shirts. It's my job. I'm going to do t-shirts this year. I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm I'm putting myself down to a, a timeline here. We're going we to start selling t-shirts. We need to start small here, Becca. I mean, you got to release the second part of Best Of. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start selling t-shirts in October. I'll get one. This October. Nice. And one of them's one of them's gonna say what you said, Isaac. What is that? I I put it on my stories. Some people want to make nice, artistic, fancy mugs. I just want to make money. <laughs> you need to simplify <laughs> that. Some people want to make art. I just want to make money. I will for the t-shirts. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But <laughs> I get one of those. Yeah, for free. I'll pay for it. awesome do you have people that look at your shirt right there and they say what is is like all the time 
Because they, they ask what that tool like, is or what that thing is. And then uh, you say, what is it? Because it says ceramics <laughs> below it. Oh, okay. Do people but, know that tool, though, if they're not in the... No. Uh-uh. So, like, I have it tattooed on my arm also. Right. And um, people look at those and are like, what? what is on your arm? <laughs> like, they have <laughs> no clue. Oh. Somebody who told me the other day, somebody told me, like, that's the dumbest tattoo I've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> Why? Like, because nobody knows what it means. I'm like, oh, all right, it's the tools that give my kid food. Like, it's going to be all right. <laughs> like, you're telling me that a skull is less oh, dumb? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Not that a skull is dumb. It's not. But it's just like, you're dumb. The most overdone tattoo in the world. Yeah. Or no, but tattoo that says my mom. principal, my principal always gave me crap because it's like it's the only shirts I wear. It's like all I have. So if I'm gonna buy shirts. Might as well put my name on it. So I would wear these to school, and he would always give me crap about is. It is or it isn't. Hey, it could say like BS or something. I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah, good. My initials are BO. So. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, my Both. real initials are RO, but still. Both of my parents are BS. And we always would say, like, yeah, we grew up with a lot of BS in the house. So. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. Oh. Right. Like, we're alive. Mm. Well, do we have anything else? No. Nope. Where should people find you? You, the gallery, all that stuff on the socials. Um, on Instagram, I'm Isaac Shoe is Arts. The gallery is gallery.mostasa, I think. I don't even know my handle on that one. I have to look it up every time. And on Facebook, it's Isaac Shoe, and then IS Art is in quotations. And um, Gallery Mostasa. Do you have separate websites for your own? pottery nope. and then the gallery or now you kind of no, have it all so in one everything is gallery um and it was just a way that i can put my work like so we started thinking we needed the gallery name when karina started doing a lot more of her work because she was selling under my name which just seemed weird for her and for me and for like um fairs so it's like well that's not your work whatever so mm-hmm. it's kind of an, an umbrella name that we can both sell under but then i can also have my buddies woodworking and prints and everything on there yeah so, but I still like, so when I go to fairs, I'm still IS Ceramics. Um, and we have signs for that. So, like, we have a different sign for each one. IS Ceramics, Mostasa. Oh, so okay. So, so, you don't necessarily go to fairs under the Gallery Mostasa name. Yeah. Uh-uh. No. But you can give Just, people cards that say, hey, we have oh, a gallery. Sure. And, like, yeah, it's good advertising. Bags, all of our bags say Gallery Mostasa. So, like, we'll hand them out and make them Gallery Mostasa. But... And all of our cards, like our thank you card is a big gallery mustasa. But then I have my own business cards. So we just throw them all together. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us, Isaac. This was fun. Yeah. Glad you guys yeah. invited me. It was great. Yeah. Don't leave, but we're going to leave. Bad. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo. It's Becca here. Hey, just so you know, thank you for listening. And also, we have 
What do we have again? A Patreon. We have a Patreon that you should go and if you want to donate to, you could donate to it. If you don't, that's cool too. But um, just Google Wheel Talk Podcast Patreon. Don't do the other one because uh, there is a Wheel Talk on Patreon, but it's not us. So make sure you get the right one. It's and in the show notes. It's in the show notes. And also um, leave us a review because they're fun to read. Okay, bye. <laughs>